first thing you do when you start a band is talk about your influences. That's how you figure out what kind of band you want to be. So who do you like? Blondie. Christina Aguilera. Who? No. Come on. What? You. Shortstop. Puff Daddy. Wrong. Billy. Liza Minnelli? What are you... You guys! This project is called Rock Band. I'm talking about bands that rock. Led Zeppelin. Don't tell me you guys have never gotten the lead out. Jimmy Page, Robert Plant. Ring any bells? What about Sabbath? ACDC. Motorhead. Oh, what are they teaching this place? Summer, you're the class whatever. Go to the board. Factotum. Factoter. New schedule. 8.15 to 10, rock history. 10 to 11, rock appreciation and theory. And then band practice till the end of the day. What about math? No, not important. World cultures? Not important. You guys, we need to focus here. Jay selected that School of Rock quote. Congratulations, Scotty. That was done correctly. Uh, all right. Why? Hello. It's two minutes and 18 seconds after the hour of 11 and this the month of Rocktober, the year of our... And it is Rocktober, so what better, really? What better time to use the School of Rock quotes? If I thought we could, I would suggest that we pull off all 31 days of nothing but rock movie quotes. I don't really know that it's... I don't know that it's doable. It might be, though. I'll see. Now I've set the challenge for myself. Now it has to be done. Uh... Anyway, the year of our Lord, 2007. Thank you for coming along, making a part of your listening day. We are live from the plushly appointed, yet not overly ostentatious, in the back, overly ostentatious studios of AM 970 Solid State Radio. This is the Rick Emerson radio program. Uh, it is Wednesday. Welcome to Day 12. Thank you for coming by. It's 503-733-2970. 503-733-2970. If you'd like to uh, weigh in on today's program, be part of it telephonically with your comments, your clarifications, your corrections, your conventions, your two cents, or what have you. It's 503-733-2970. Uh, if you want to uh, engage with us in a binary fashion, you can email as well. My chums, my amigos, my compadres, my companions. Uh, I was going for a fifth one there. Nah, I don't have a fifth one. Well, whatever. It's Rick at RickEmerson.com. Rick at uh, RickEmerson.com. Rick at RickEmerson.com. Uh, you can also email everybody else, Tim at 970.am, Sarah at 970.am, or Scotty J at 970.am. Speaking of the aforementioned Scotty J, he's standing by, ready, willing, and able to pass along your uh, observations about whatever. The interesting, the groundbreaking, the tedious, the mundane, the what have you. It's 503-733-2970. He's terribly bored and has nothing to do. Won't you please occupy Scotty J's time? Won't you please give him more to do during the program? He is so terribly, terribly idle during most of these hours. I've looked for things. that I've, I've tried to find things for him to do. We've tried to fill his lonely, empty days with meaning and work, but it's just uh, its not happening. So it now falls to you to call that telephone number. Uh, it's 503-733-2970. All right, here's what's coming up today. Oh, is it? Is that? Okay, thank you for the update. I appreciate that. All right, so we will be talking. I'll work backward here. 
Uh, we're going to be talking to Peter Carlin, who sent me the, the long apologetic email this morning. We were supposed to talk to him yesterday. And then I guess there was some traffic thing. I don't know where Peter lives, but I'm assuming it's someplace, someplace really white that would never have me as, as you know, as a resident. So I, I, but I guess wherever that is in Peterland, there was some sort of a, some sort of traffic snarl, some hassle. So he wasn't able to get into town yesterday. So I guess he worked at home uh, with his children uh, yesterday, and then he had a cell phone turned off. Blah blah blah. Anyway, so he saw, he had, and we didn't even have to drag this apology out of. He voluntarily, actively. Of his own volition, sent me an apology today. So I'm on the short list of people who have ever received an apology about anything from that guy. So anyway, so we're going to be talking to Peter Carlin today uh, at 2.05. Uh, 2.05 today. We'll talk to Peter Carlin, TV critic and all-around lovable curmudgeon from the Oregonian. Uh, we'll talk to CNN radio correspondent James Roop. Uh, Jim Roop will join us in, uh, what, the 1 o'clock hour? Is that right? Yeah. 1 o'clock hour to talk about Britney Spears. And we'll get to, we'll fix her little red wagon here in just a second. Because we're 54 minutes away from that, the handover day, and it's still, I would, okay, now I watched a lot of bad television last night, and we'll get to that in a moment. But some of the bad television was gossip-oriented, and there still doesn't seem to be any, there is no official confirmation about the handing over of the kids. I thought that they were with the nanny for Kevin Federline that's, yesterday, well, See, that's what, that's what it, the, the caption under that picture said, but we're not sure exactly when that was taken. The picture caption said that, and TMZ, in Seeming to confirm that, only referenced that one photo on X-17. You know what I did notice, though, is when TMZ posted those pictures yesterday of uh, purportedly Britney Spears' kids being pushed around right. the stroller, it was dated October 2nd, but it was... Um, like pre-date, like it was like at three three forty p.m. So and they was, posted them at like noon. Maybe it was Eastern time. Well, they're based in L.A. Yeah. No, they're in L.A. They're in L.A. So I was thinking that maybe that might have been from a different day. Well, you know, and we already found out that those photographs, that, that, that whole story about how she got a driver's license isn't true either. Um, they, and there's another claim today that she has it. So I don't really? know who to believe about that. They're muddying the waters. Somebody's at work. This disinformation is, be, you know, this is like, this is like on Airwolf, uh, or perhaps now on Battlestar Galactica. <laughs> you know, this is just like on Airwolf, starring Jen Michael Vincent. Is that when you had the remote control that you had to get up and change manually to it? That's when I had the. Oh, oh! I wish I knew you were going to reference that. Because you know, you know. That's out of that same time period. Because you know what I can use for that is the. Hold on a second. See if I've got this. Real quickly, let's see if I've got the. Do I have the mystery noise? I don't even I don't even think I know where the mystery noise went to. That's uh, too bad. I was going to use the mystery noise right there when you said it because the mystery noise, if you remember that, was in fact it was in fact a cable box. It was the old and I've actually got it up in my office now. Um, it was actually an old sliding top uh, cable box. No, it's gone. You mean it wasn't a spinner for the game of life? It was also that. Uh, no, I don't know where that went. Um, and I will tell you this, that we had the sliding cable box, and then we had a remote control for our VCR, but it was the kind of the long cable that went across the living room. The dad would always, like, and trip on it. It was a Fisher uh, brand VCR. I remember that. And it was, and you would not just the top-loading. Everybody sort of references the old top-loading VCRs. Um, but it wasn't just that. It's that you would press that eject button, and it seemed to take about 30 seconds to spit the tape out. You know what I mean? Like, you would press the eject button. Well, you were hoping that tape wasn't being eaten. <laughs> this could happen on many occasions. Your one-of-a-kind wedding video is currently being destroyed. It's going to be just a moment. Yeah. All right. People don't... Re the, 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 how quickly we forget as a culture, because the VCR... 
It's not so much, the VCR is not so much an intermediary technology as perhaps the cassette deck is. I was thinking about this last night, actually. I was thinking about how I was watching High Fidelity looking for some movie clips from that. And I was thinking how he works at Champion Vinyl or Championship Vinyl, whatever the hell it is. And I was thinking about how vinyl is... Well, I am old enough to remember all the different phases. I'm old enough to remember buying vinyl. I can kind of remember 8-tracks. Buying vinyl, buying cassettes, buying CDs, and now, of course, the you know the, the, the digital era with the MP3s. I, but how cassettes seem very much like an intermediary technology. No one has nostalgia except for Sarah for cassettes. You're the only person we know that has cassette nostalgia. I still have my mixtape. I, I would think that, see, but that's different. See, I think people have nostalgia for mixtapes. But I don't know that people have nostalgia for cassettes as oh, such. I, I hated them. Because they sucked. They were terrible. Well, you know, when I was working at a radio station, they had an all-comedy format. All all the bits were on cassettes, so you had to cue them up. Right. And Sony at one time, in the 80s, made a programmable cassette deck. You could put 15 cuts and push the appropriate button, but it didn't cue them up all the way. So you had to pop it out and... Uh, Oh man! And you always had dead air because these comedy bits are only like a minute or two, so you had like a stack this high God. for an entire hour. How many t- how many hours of our lives have we lost as a people, as a as a culture? How many just as a race of of, of how how many hours have we all spent trying to unsnarl a cassette, or where the tape gets all wound up inside the plastic shell? Yeah. Did you ever do this? And it, this is more of a boy thing, I think, than a girl thing. But uh, how many hours did Every guy spend in math class when you were supposed to be learning about the quadratic equation, and instead you're there with a jeweler's screwdriver taking a cassette apart and trying to wind the tape back together or trying to fix it with scotch tape somehow, and then it would turn inside out. Did you ever do this? You ever be playing a cassette and then the tape would flip over at some point because it had a snarl in it, and so you'd hear this, you know, you know. Welcome to the jungle. And it would continue to play, but it was it had flipped over the wrong way, so it was all warbly. It sounded like you were listening through a wall. Anyway, I think we all have nostalgia for mixtapes, but I think that actual cassette technology, no one goes, boy, I miss listening to cassettes. Uh, well, I do miss cassettes, actually, because I have so many CDs that I scratch so easily, but I have cassettes that I've left out in the rain that I've stepped on that have been that's you know, true. covered in food. You can just brush them off and put them back in there. And they no, that's, that's true. Cassettes are, I will say this, cassettes are, except maybe for MP3s, cassettes are the most durable music technology. I'll give you that. There's nothing more durable than a cassette, because you can stick a cassette in your back pocket, and that could go through the laundry. Uh, you know, you could sit on that all day at school, and it would still work. I'll grant you that. They were very, they were very durable. All right. Uh, all right. So, what are we doing? J- Britney Spears. We were talking about something or other. Boy, how did that whole thing happen just now? Well, whatever. So, uh, we'll talk to Jim Roop about uh, Britney Spears. Uh, let's see. Uh, we will talk to Ed McCarthy, who's going to talk to us about it's all scandal all the time. Uh, the Anna Nicole Smith lawsuit is going forward today. And Ed McCarthy will join us briefly from Atlanta uh, to have speaks with us about that, which I mean, which I guess means that we're not going to be interviewing Rita Cosby. Who? Yeah, I wrote back. I'm, I guess I'm not going to be hearing back from her. The, uh, the, so Rita Cosby, the woman who wrote this book saying that, 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 that uh, what's it, Howard Stern and, and uh, Larry Burkhead were getting it on and so forth. And so the, she was already to come on the program, and now she's being sued for $60 million. So I don't think we're going to be talking to her anytime soon. So I was so tempted to buy that book, and I wish I had, actually. Uh, when, I, you know, when I was on vacation, I saw that Anna Nicole Smith book in every airport, and I was so tempted to buy it. And then I didn't, and now they'll probably yank it off the market and I'll never have my chance. 
Uh, let's see. And finally, we'll talk to CNN Radio correspondent and uh, soon-to-be-a-bride, Lisa Goddard. Uh, we'll talk to her at the bottom of the hour. This is her last day uh, pre... Well, for us, anyway, of pre-Canubial Bliss. Because um, I think she gets married on Saturday or something. So she's taking tomorrow and Friday off. And then she's married this weekend, and I'm unclear about whether she's back on the stick as of, like, Monday or whether she's taking a, a holiday time or, you know, the honeymoon time or whatever. So we'll, we'll figure it out. So today is the last day to talk to Lisa Goddard before she marries, uh, what's his name? That guy. Uh, what else? we got a top five coming up today. Top five musicians who died at the age of 27. Uh, and in no way should you construe that to be wishful thinking that Britney Spears dies in the immediate future. She's and I'm got turning a whole... 27 in six days. Oh, that's right. I forgot about that. Yeah. Well, you're not a musician. You're probably safe. I'm hoping that Britney can hold out, though, for just, you know, if she can hold out for, like... Oh, 27's think... the... That's the, 20, the 27 year. Club. Yeah. So, uh, I think right. she's... I think Britney's birthday is in December. I do seem to remember that from the big countdown to legality that happened many years ago. I thought she was younger than that. I think she's 26 right now. Are you sure? I'm pretty sure she's 26. I'm not, I'm not sure, but I think, she, I think she's 26. I'm not going to swear to that. I think she was born in 80. I'm pretty sure she was born in 1980, but I, I could be off about that. I, I, I might be incorrect. What What is the... 81. 81. So we got a while. So she's got to hold out if she wants any sort of immortality in this. Well, anyway, so we'll count down... Well, my bad. Doesn't matter. We'll count down the top five musicians who died at the age of 27. Uh, plus your phone calls. All of that is uh, coming up, uh, ladies and gents. Oh, and don't forget. Okay. And I'll be mentioning this a couple times. Uh, because we're not quite there yet. Now we, you've been hearing the, the uh, promos running for this. Uh, we are the we, that is to say, AM 970. Uh, we're giving away a trip for two to Orlando, Florida, uh, for the final stop in the AST Do Tour, the Pro Action Sports Tour, happening the 17th to the 21st. Uh, once, you, I mean, of course, in the Do Tour, you know, it's here. Uh, you know, it's all the extreme sports and everything. But this is this is the big one. This is, I think, the final stop in the tour. Uh, it's a trip for two to Orlando, Florida, for the AST Do Tour. Once you're there, you also get entered into a contest. I mean, if they're giving away a, t- a Toyota truck or a, like a, a Mastercraft boat or like a 50-inch Matt Peterson television, all this stuff. So you're uh, entered into a, uh, uh, you know, into a drawing for some of those things. So that's today, though. We're going to be announcing the winner for that. A trip or two to give away to the Orlando, Florida, AST Do Tour and Pro Action Sports Tour. So we'll, give, we'll announce the winner. One lucky, glorious bastard uh, will win that today. So we'll announce that. And then, finally, I won't say this till later. I'll wait until later in the program to say this. But your next chance to play Rock Band, which is not even out until November. We're going to be giving away another copy of Rock Band a full month and a half before it even hits the streets. Um, that'll be later on this afternoon. We're going to be making an appearance somewhere today. So we'll talk about that later on. So much to do, so little time. All right, we're joined today, as always, by the lovely and talented Sarah X. Dillon. Hello. Hello. How are you? Oh, I left my window down in my car last night, and so it was all soaking wet, and then I got a tow warning. And you know, and it never dries. Way. That never dries, ever. I know, my car's so filthy anyway, it doesn't really matter. Your car really is kind of gross, but it's It okay. really is gross, because I just use it as, I don't use it very much, and when I do use it, it's for transportation. The I'm not trying to look yourself. good in my, you know, giant... In your Taurus? Yeah. Yeah, that's it. Well, because you really can't. I There's mean, it's no not, way to look good in that. It's not, it's not possible. Yeah. So that's, uh, it, you know, those seats, that's a thing, that's a wet, creamy center in that seat that's going to stay there forever. It's, and then when it does does dry 10 years from now, it'll be all mildewy. Ew. Hopefully, you'll have pawned it off on some other sucker by then. Yeah, I think I'm going to try and sell it one of these days. Oh, totally. No, here's you know how you sell a car? This is the right time to do it, too. This right now is the time to do it. It's, uh, well, we just left September, but I mean, the school is just back in. There's a whole crop of kids taking traffic safety classes right now, taking driver's ed. That's the best way I have learned this. That's the best way to sell a car. 
you target kids who are sophomores or juniors who are just now starting driver's ed because you know how it is when you're 16 and you're taking driver's ed. Man, any car is a good car. You'll uh-huh. take it wherever you can get it. I mean, that's how that guy told and me that. And he gets the money from mom and dad. Totally. And you know, because mom and dad don't want to have to drive the kids around. Maybe the kid's been good in school or he stayed off of meth or something. And you'd have a car. That's how I got that Ford Maverick, that electric blue Ford Maverick I drove around. That uh, was just a piece of crap when I got it. Um, and, I mean, it just it, it was one step away from deterioration. But I didn't care. I mean, I, was, uh, I had just turned 16, had just got my driver's license. It was a chariot to me mm-hmm. because it was my own car. It doesn't matter. And in high school... 80% of the cars your friends have are bad anyway. Oh, yeah, they're pieces of crap. And so it's all the same. And so, you know, it's like it doesn't matter. So it's sort of like a school uniform. It's ugly, but everybody's got one. I drove a 1987 Nissan pickup. Yeah, really? It was awesome. That's pretty oh, yeah. cool. I love it. It still is at my parents' house, and my sister and I will get nostalgic when we go and visit there, and we'll drive around in it. And then it dies, <laughs> usually in most intersections. Fantastic. I really will say this, and I think most guys will, uh, most guys will agree with me. There is something hot about a girl driving a pickup. A girl driving a truck. It's kind of hot. There's something about that. So, no, you go find a school or go on to Craigslist or something, and you target a kid who's taking... a school, should I just park it outside of a school with a sign, like $2,500? Seriously. And you'll find some kid who, who will buy that from you. And he won't care. He'll overlook every electrical He'll, problem, every mechanical the problem. Mirror, the It doesn't matter. Mirrors from my bike tires. The car could be on fire and filled with aphids, and he, it doesn't matter. All right, I want a car! You take my word, that's how I've sold every used car I've ever sold. Okay, I think I'm going to do it. All right. Tim Riley's working on the following stories for your edification. And there are many. A minister is charged with stealing the bride and groom's Home Depot gift cards at a wedding reception. The Salem pipe bomber is found guilty. Several computers and photos of the upcoming Indiana Jones movie have been stolen. Compromising secret information. Uh-oh. The bionic woman is on the television tonight. A burglar is caught in Nicholas Cage's home trying on the actor's clothing. An Alabama judge resigns after being charged with spanking prisoners in his private chambers. The battle over the ownership of the severed leg found in the barbecue grill heats up. Heats up. Mm-hmm. Oh. <laughs> and sorry. President Bush wants sick poor children to die. <laughs> because life isn't fair or balanced. No. George W. Bush doesn't care about children. All right. So he only cares about war. We should we should isolate that Kanye West thing from the hurricane special and just and use it every day for whatever he doesn't care about today. That uh, George W. Bush doesn't care about black people and just and just change it every just update it for oh. whatever whatever George Bush hates today. That's fantastic. All right. Yeah. I don't mean to break your heart, but Scotty's not listening. He's not moving his truck. Well, this program isn't for Scotty. I know. I didn't want to. It's for a vast and endless audience. I just, I didn't want to tell you that as you were reading it, but Scotty's just like, be right back moving my truck. So we'll make sure to reassert that uh, that phrase several times. I would bring it up right now. I would tell the, the whole thing that happened right before the oh, show right yeah, now, but he's not it. even in the building. I'll just say this. No, I'll wait. I'll wait. Don't let me forget, though. Don't let me forget to recap the Scotty moment that happened right you before the show. You think forget that? Well, it was pretty... <laughs> it was pretty great. All right. Um, okay, well, we'll get these calls here in, in just a moment. Uh, I will say this before we get to anything else. Tim told me that he did, in fact, have a radio dream last night. <gasps> really? Now, I'd like to think that we played some small part in putting that in your head. I think you did. Because it's never happened. Because Sarah and I were sharing our dreams where like you, you can't where you're late to work and you can't you know, you're stuck in a traffic jam or I get to work and the door won't open or something. That actually does happen to you every, every now and again in radio. What was yours uh what happened to you? Well apparently the three of us were in this massive argument. And it ended with Sarah X Dylan 
picking up her doll and walking out of the studio. My her, doll? Her doll. Yeah. She said, I'm taking my doll and getting out of here. So she had a <laughs> doll in her arm. Yeah. Oh, because studio. I was playing with these oh, yesterday. Because you're playing with the pig the, the pig and the uh, the Easter bunny, the, the uh, stuffed animals. Yeah. So she has a doll in her arms, and we're sitting there. How are we going to do the show without her? So we run out to look for her, and we see this radio tower that's covered with vines, and Sarah Dillon is still missing. That's so weird. we're deliberating whether or not to chop down the vines and go look for it. And we decided not to. We <laughs> decided not to. Oh, great. Thanks, guys. <laughs> All right. And then we decided, F that. We'll just have Scotty so replace her. she took her doll and left. I'm taking my doll and going home angrily. That's wonderful. All right, Strange. Then. And that was the end of the dream. We chopped down these vines and go look for her. Mm-hmm. There's explosions, and it's scaring all the buffalo. All right. Uh, well, that's great. So, do you, did you guys think know I that climbed in... up the radio tower? Well, no, who knows? Who knows where you and your doll went? We don't know what happened to you. <laughs> I mean, we weren't going to chop down the vines. No, we, we, to... we didn't care that much. Well, all right, then. 503-733-2970. mad. We, uh, <laughs> I'm taking my doll and I'm leaving right now. <laughs> did anybody watch the Caveman show last night? No. I bet you did. I wonder if Scotty did, actually. Now, suddenly, now that he's not in the room... Scotty's like one of those jars. I've never of, needed him more. He's one of those. I've never needed him more. He's like one of those jars of nails in your garage you throw away, and then as soon as you throw it away, you need to hammer something with it. You know, you need to hang a picture on it. And you, where are those nails I just threw away? Um, I, I bet Scotty watched it last night. So I watched the Caveman Show. Boy, goddamn, was that terrible. And I don't really know what I expected it to be. I don't know. I don't know why I expected the Caveman Show to be anything but awful. But I mean, it was terrible. And by the way. I'm just saying this. Let's dispense right now uh, with this fiction that they didn't write it as some sort of like really savvy comment on race relations in America. Let's just get let's get rid of that uh, little bit of PR whitewashing right now. I mean that's I don't know what ABC was required to say at their press conference. I don't know why uh, why the American Broadcasting Company felt the need to get in front of a microphone and deny that the program had any sort of weird allegory to the, because clearly that's the, clearly that's how they wrote it. That was that was the deal. That's I mean some writer decided that, that was going to be a groundbreaking work of which is certainly like it's not without precedent. I mean <clears throat> all the way back to that Star Trek episode. Remember what was it that 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 Star Trek episode from like the the first or second season where these there's the guy where there's those aliens where half of the like half of their face is white and half of the face is black, but it's different. So there's a race of the aliens with a left with a black I say black face, but where the left half of their face is painted white and the right half of their face is painted black, then there's some other aliens where the left side is painted black and the right side is uh, painted white and they just can't get along. And it's just like the most heavy-handed... I mean, there's no way to explain how heavy-handed it is. It's so heavy-handed it kind of becomes great. So the Caveman Show isn't quite that bad. The thing about the Caveman Show is it's just terrible. It's just bad. It's just so awful. It is, and this is how I told Sarah. Are, are the cavemen, like, interacting with normal people? Yes, with, with the homo sapiens, or as they call them. See, they've got their own <gasps> They've got their own slur. Oh, I wonder what it is. It's sapes. See? Oh. See, the cavemen, they have their own uh, epithet that they use, uh, you know, for, uh, for the homo sapiens, for those who... Which, and I'm not even really sure. We'll, we'll move on. Anyway... It's just awful because I'm sitting here analyzing the caveman show like, like it's like it's Beowulf or something. But um, here's what the caveman show is. This is how I described it this morning, that it is like a really, really bad, faded, denuded, blunted version 
of swingers with cavemen. I mean, that's what it is. It is a bunch of late 20-something, early 30-something guys sitting around in the living room all day playing Xbox and talking about chicks. Except they're cavemen. I mean, it's so... And there's clear... There's the one guy who's obviously meant to be Vince Vaughn. And there's the one guy who's obviously John Favreau. And there's the other guy who's... What's his name? Sue, who pulls the gun in the parking lot and swingers. All the swingers archetypes are right there. I mean, it's so terrible. Um, it... And here's the thing about the show, and if you watched the Cavemen show last night, you know exactly what I'm talking about, because I muscled through it, man. I came in about four minutes late, but I watched all the way through. I took one for not just this team, but every team everywhere by watching that piece of crap. The thing about the Cavemen show is, if you're watching the show, it's kind of amusing. Like, I found myself sort of smiling and kind of going, well, this isn't so bad. And then I realized, if you just shut your eyes or look away from the screen, it ceases to be funny at all. The only thing that's funny is that, hey, there's a guy playing the Xbox. Oh, and he's a caveman. I mean, that's the only redeeming quality, if you want to call it that, that the show has. As long as you are watching the screen, like there's a scene where they're all playing racquetball, and it's a scene that is lifted almost entirely from Woody Allen's Manhattan, by the way, but there's a scene where they're playing racquetball, and you find yourself kind of chuckling because they're cavemen playing racquetball, sort of like dogs playing poker. But if, if but I would do this throughout the caveman show last night, and I can't believe I'm spending this much time talking about it, but during the caveman show, I would occasionally just shut my eyes and listen to the dialogue. And once you shut your eyes and listen to the show, there's nothing funny or interesting about it at all. The dialogue is completely bland, completely pedestrian, nothing compelling, nothing amusing about it at all. Now, if you open your eyes and you see a caveman wearing a suit drinking a, you know, a martini, you sort of chuckle because it's an interesting visual. The writing on the show is just... I mean, I don't think it's going to last one episode. Because they'll do this one, and then they'll wait for the next... Because last night's ratings were probably pretty high, because we were all talking about it like idiots. <laughs> as part of Geico's clever marketing scheme. Debbie but it's going to burn fast. It is going to fade so unbelievably fast. I mean, it's... Yeah, it's going to fall like part of Skylab. So don't... Watch it now, because it's going to be gone within two weeks. Are we getting lots of calls on this program? Um... On this, the Rick Emerson program? No, about this program you're speaking of. No, not... Well, yesterday. Not today. I don't think anybody else watched it last night. What time's our first course? Uh, in just a few minutes. We're going to take these calls, then we'll break and come back with Lisa Goddard. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Hey, what's going on? What's up? Hey, I had a question for you. You, you mentioned Airwolf a second ago, that show. Uh, I just, I'm just wondering if you knew, uh, is Ernest Borgnine and Jan Michael Vincent still alive? Because Ernest Borgnine was like older and dirt back then. They're both Michael still Vincent. alive. I, in fact, here's how lame I am. I was just reading Jan Michael Vincent's Wikipedia entry the other night for no real reason. Did uh, he, like, lose his voice or something? Uh, Jan Michael Vincent was in not one, but two different uh, DUI crashes. He hit a telephone pole a couple years ago, and then I think he hit another car a few years after that. The second accident actually crushed his vocal cords. So if you hear Jan Michael Vincent speak right now, it's a lot like this. Uh, he's still alive. He's 60, and as they say, keeps to himself a lot. Uh, Ernest Borgnine is still alive. Probably still smells bad. Thanks, Rick. All right. Hey, little, little side note, sir. Yes. Ernest Borgnine was the studio's choice to play Don Corleone in The Godfather. Whoa. Yeah, there you go. Thank you. Uh, hi, you're on The Rick Emerson Show. Always bet on black. Uh, well, thank you. I'll take that advice. Yes. Um, I wanted to say, one, I'm hurt because I am one of your friends that has a big box of not only cassettes, but butt rock cassettes in yes. my garage. Uh, Dennis, yes. 
Yes, and two, uh, Sarah is correct, but you have to reference Ferris Bueller's Day Off, where Ferris says to his compadre, I don't even have a piece of crap, I have to envy yours. Yeah. So she's right on track with selling her car. Just put it right out in front of Marshall High School, it'll be gone in a day. Oh, yeah. You mean sold or stolen? Uh, well, well, that's either that's way. A, Do you have well, get, full coverage, get full coverage insurance? Uh, I no. think so. I don't know. Of course you're I'm living in constant fear lately that my car's going to get stolen because it seems it's happening more and more. Yeah. So I want to sell it before it's stolen so, so I don't have to worry about it. That's if you park it in front of Cleveland. Well, bump up your coverage and we'll talk off the air. Okay. All right. Thank you. Bye now. All right. Quickly, two more and then we got to go. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hey, Rick. Hey. Hey, uh, to concur on that high school car thing, I just drove by a pizza joint that's uh, pretty close to Grant High School. Yeah. And uh, there was a, like an 87 Toyota Super with the hood up. It had uh, the kind of scribble that you see from junkyard parts on the car, and uh-huh. they were gawking over it. Oh, yeah. No, the, the high school boys, how do I put this? I mean, let's just make the obvious al- uh, you know, analogy here. That to a high school guy who was 16, a car is like a girl. It doesn't really matter what it looks like. It doesn't really matter how long it's going to last you. It doesn't really matter where it's been before. Doesn't really matter if you know how everything's sort of working and put together. Doesn't matter what's you know what's being covered oh. up with uh, you know with spray paint and duct yeah. tape. As long as it works and accomplishes its task, it'll it'll do for you. Yeah, they were looking at it like something was wrong with it. So yeah, yeah. It, this would be a good time to strike with the iron tot. Oh, and uh, John Michael Vincent's uh, vocal cords. Yeah. If you watch Buffalo '66, you really get a good taste of what his voice sounds That's like. That's right. Now. He is in Buffalo '66. I forgot about that. Thank you, sir. One more, then we're breaking. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson show. Hello. Hey, Rick. What's up? Yeah, I did about two minutes of K-Man left. Uh, last night, yeah. it was it was all I could stand. It was I came in about five minutes into the show, uh, and I don't even remember what was happening. Oh, I remember I came in about five minutes in when the cavemen are sitting out there and they're having lattes, but they're cavemen. And then the one they were talking about the fact that this caveman, caveman number one, is dating this uh, blue-eyed, blonde-haired girl, and how it's all very curious because she won't introduce the caveman to any of her friends. And oh, the other God. and really? the uh, the other friend is speculating that she's really just dating the caveman for some sort of sexual fetish thrill, uh, well, based things, on outdated stereotypes about the caveman's sexual prowess. One of the big problems is one. They, yeah. They, yeah. One of the is they never explained why they're there. <laughs> That's really true. No one ever addresses how they haven't just been evolved out Darwinianly through yeah. through the yeah, the process. That doesn't make any sense at all. All right, thank you, sir. We have to break. Around the corner, Lisa Goddard will join us for the last time before she's a married woman. Later on, Ed McCarthy, Tim Riley, Jim Rue, Peter Carlin stated. Confused about your stance on Kanye West? No, I like his music, uh-huh. and I like a lot of things he represents, and I love his relentless self-promotion. Yeah. And no, I think I do like Kanye West. I, I really don't like Fifty Cent. Oh no, I uh, know. He's him. so repulsive oh, to me. I hate him. Uh, do you see that after Kanye just, man, Kanye West outsold him like two to one uh, in some place, and you know because Fifty Cent had made that whole a little bitch. <laughs> yes, yes, he was, Sarah, because uh, uh, Fifty Cent had made that whole. I speak as though I'm some sort of current rap aficionado, but I, but 50 Cent did the, the, the whole thing about, you know, however it is he talks, like, with half of his jaw gone, you know, whatever, he's got that weird speech about him being shot in the face, but he's, you know, it, it, 50 Cent always talks as though someone had just stuffed his mouth full of, like, I don't know, like, if someone had taken, like, a double whopper and just shoved it, like, if you caught him right in the middle of lunch, mm-hmm. he's just got that weird 
like someone had just given him Novocaine or something. But he was saying that if Kanye West outsold him, that he would retire. And then Kanye West not only has Kanye West just smoked him. Um, which, and I will say this, um, as much as as much as I'm not a fan of some of the stuff Kanye West uh, Kanye West does musically, that new single of his, uh, Stronger, the one that samples that uh, Daft Punk song, is mm-hmm. really good. I'm oh, a big fan of that. He deserves, and yeah, I totally am along with the thing where he now he's going to boycott MTV yeah. events because Justin Timberlake keeps kicking his ass. I I, <laughs> I full on respect that guy for that. He's like, I'm never doing anything with MTV again. Screw yeah. them. See, you gotta love that. I really know. I love anybody who is just unashamedly, unabashedly self promoting emotionally oh, just whore. He has no like shame. I mean, no, he doesn't. He's just, and I mean, he posed for the cover of Rolling Stone dressed as Jesus. I mean, really, there's just no. Yep. Once you've that's dressed up as that sums it up. Once you've dressed up as Christ on the cover of a magazine, I mean, and gone on television on live TV and said George Bush didn't care about black people. That is, that's it, man. <laughs> I will love you to the end of time, and I don't even care what else he does. And we were just watching that. Um, we were just now uh, watching that. Um, that that thing, the Hurricane Katrina thing that he'd done. I mean, I don't know. Did you say you were watching that live? When yeah, it I happened? watched that live too. Me too, man. And it's just he's so emotional and flustered, and you could tell he actually, you know, and just really cares. The look on Mike Myers' face. Oh man, because you can tell at a certain point he went off the teleprompter. It was a lot of uh, and and you know because they're black people, they're not getting food and supplies, and and Mike Myers is just growing visibly more, like shifting ever so slightly. He from is. He has his arms on his back and he's kind of wobbling back and the, forth. My manager told me to be here. He said it'd be good for my career. And then there's and the great thing about the great thing about it is and we we have to get to Lisa here in just a second. The great thing about that Kanye West Mike Myers Hurricane Katrina clip is Kanye West clearly like goes off the reservation almost immediately and does this long speech. Mike Myers is so uncomfortable, but then he throws it back to Mike Myers. And Mike Myers is on script. Mike Myers is like, if you would like to donate, call 1-800-RED-CROSS or whatever the number is. Da 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 That's 1-800-RED-CROSS and help us assist the victims of Hurricane Katrina. Pause. And then Kanye West just tags it at the end. Like, George Bush doesn't care about black people. <laughs> I mean, it's the timing. It's like he's tagging a mattress warehouse spot. Prices of participation may vary. You know, it's like he just comes on at the end. Like, just when you think it couldn't get any more off-putting. All right. Uh, ladies and gentlemen... Let's welcome now to the Rick Emerson Show, from the Hill, CNN radio correspondent, Lisa Goddard on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello, Lisa. Hi, how are you, Rick? <laughs> this not... How are you today? Who is this? Who is this? Ted McCarthy. Ted McCarthy. Oh, I ruined my, my whole moment has been ruined. <laughs> That's all right. Oh, and my whole Beatles moment has been ruined. So, now, why are we hearing... married. Scotty, please to come into the studio now and explain. Oh, now my whole Beatles moment That's has been okay. ruined. My whole setup. Oh, we scrambled at the last moment to get the um, to get the Beatles song there. All right, okay. Let's all stop. I'm going to put you back on hold. We're going to pick you up as though we were bringing you on uh, in a planned sense. All right, ladies and gentlemen from the south, CNN radio correspondent Ed McCarthy. Scotty's Scotty's looking at me as though it's my fault somehow. <laughs> Hold on, let's, let, let's stay here, Scotty. Let's give Scotty the microphone. Scotty, why now was my beautiful Beatles moment with Lisa Goddard just ruined? <laughs> yeah, it's the creepiest thing you've ever well, said. Well, first of all, 
Uh, well, no, because she's getting, you. that's going to be their wedding I know, song. I know, I know. And it's her last day as a single, I'm sorry, Ed, you'll have to indulge me for a second. It was her last day as a single woman, and so we wanted to have like a cool little sweet moment. I play the Beatles moment, I, I, bring, I bring Ed on, and then it's Ed talking like a guy from Silence of the Lambs, uh, telling me it puts the lotion in its skin. All right, Scotty, why did that happen just now? Not exactly sure. I will call CNN and find out. Perhaps Let's I... all confirm now that on the sheet I wrote uh-huh. down Lisa 1130, and right. then right next to that I wrote Ed McCarthy 1150. Right. So I'm sure they'll be switched, and Lisa will be the second time around. Now, this is good practice for you, Rick, because she doesn't know about the, the, the Beatles song. No, she didn't. That's why that was going to be such a great moment just there that we planned out. <laughs> and I ruined it for you guys. Thanks, Ed. Thanks for ruining my day. <laughs> <laughs> That's okay. No, we we had I had to put together this uh, this uh, this moment because we have the West Wing thing we typically West Wing theme we typically bring her on with. So all right, so Scotty, well, do you want to give them a call? And yes, I will. Up? All right. Hi, Ed. How you doing today? Uh, Rick, I am great, and uh, you know I just couldn't resist that. I, I just really was uh, in a little a devilish mood there for a moment. I'm sorry about that. <laughs> Please don't take personal umbrage at, at the fact that it's you. By the way, it's not that we're disappointed. At that, it's uh, it's just that it caught me a little off guard when you sounded like Eric Idle and Monty Python wearing a dress, saying, "I want to be called Loretta." So, all right, hey, let me ask you this about this, and we will talk about this for a second because we we did book you about this Anna Nicole Smith thing because we had up until. I don't know, I guess whenever this lawsuit was filed, like two days ago, we have been in contact with Rita Cosby's people because we were going to be talking uh, about this, uh, whatever, the, the secret life of Anna Nicole Smith or whatever yeah, this book yeah, is. Yeah, yeah, And so she was all set to come on and pimp the book, and then we turned on CNN one day and saw that she's being sued for $60 million. And not surprisingly, we have not heard back from her. Yeah, a little bit of damper on things in a hurry, won't it? I don't think she's going to be doing any. Are they taking the book off the shelves, or is the book? Who, first of all, who is suing? The book has actually hit the stores uh, in September, so the, you know they're, I don't know if they're going to pull them off. If you know the uh, the attorney says, "Well, listen, we got to get those books off the shelf," I'm really not sure. So who is suing the, How, the, the Howard K. Stern? Remember him? Yes. Yeah, uh, Anna Nicole's companion, and we always uh, talk about Anna Nicole as though she's still with us, but she she is not. But Howard K. Uh, he is still around, and he's filing now a libel lawsuit against Rita Cosby. And I should have done my best Rita Cosby voice. Now that I, I don't even it. know what that would sound like. Yeah, but it probably isn't a good one. Um, and this is because of the allegation that he and Larry Burkhead were lovers who conspired to split the money and the kid and the whatever after Anna and Nicole was dead. That's what that's what they're saying, and and, and this thing. And uh, so this is a 65-page lawsuit. Well, those lawyers, they can sure think things out carefully, can't they? So there's, I mean, color me stupid. I mean, maybe there's just something here that I'm missing. But it. it how do I put this? It doesn't seem, because she doesn't, uh, Rita Cosby in this book, it, she doesn't couch it in sort of vagueness or she doesn't change any names. No. She, she comes right out and says, Howard K. Stern and Larry Burkett are gay lovers, and by the way, there's a porn tape showing them having sexual relations with each other, and Anna Nicole Smith used to watch it all day long while lying on her waterbed. I mean, that seems like what the National Enquirer would call a checkable fact. It doesn't seem like you'd say that unless it you had it cold, you know? That's what the suit says, that the book falsely accuses Stern of criminal lewd acts, homosexual acts, illegal possession and use of cocaine, conspiring to commit murder and kidnapping for ransom. I mean, where, where well, the heck does that come in there? That's, who, publi- who published the book here? 
Uh, Bush, uh, let's see here, Grand Central Publishing uh, was the book's publisher. It just seems like that's not the sort of legal crossfire that one would put oneself in. In other words, they wouldn't say it if they didn't have some way to... Uh, to prove this, don't you think? Because otherwise, they're just putting themselves in in the middle of a, in the middle of a whole morass for no real reason. Yeah. Oh, yeah. We're going to see where this one goes. The attorney uh, for uh, uh, Howard K. He's uh, here in Atlanta. Lynn Wood. We we have a call out to him. We have not heard from him yet. But uh, <laughs> it's, this is going to get interesting. You know, you think we've heard a lot about OJ. You're going to. This is going to just resurface. All I was time. just going to say because you know later on we have uh, Roop coming on. It's going to. I wonder who will. Maybe we'll have uh, like Amanda Moyer calling instead of Jim Roop later. Uh, we'll have Roop. Uh, no, she's going. She's going home for the day. There's, there's not a chance of that. So they'll have somebody random. They'll just get somebody on a street corner to call in during Roop slot. <laughs> so we have OJ. I mean, I don't think people really truly appreciate the sort of vortex. Uh, a celebrity scandal that we are in as of right now, this week. Do you realize this week there is the $60 million lawsuit about the Anna Nicole Smith book? O.J. Simpson is out on bond right now, facing it, waiting a trial or an arraignment that could put him in jail for the rest of his natural life. He's got to give up his Rolex and, for crying out loud. And Britney Spears has got like 13 minutes to hand over her kids, or I guess they're just going to come and, like, I don't know, send stormtroopers into her house or something. So it is. Uh, it's a strange week to be alive, but a good week to be us, my friend. You are correct, sir. All right, my friend. Sorry about the confusion at the beginning of the... Uh, yeah, and I hope I didn't get Scotty in trouble. Not at all. If I, if I can ask, and just because we want to make sure that that, uh, that we communicate clearly with CNN about this in the future, because obviously, and this is uh, obviously not a thing that falls on your shoulders, There, you know, there's a booker that kind of contacts you and tells you when... Just what time... What time were you, were you, did they tell you that you were supposed to call in, just so we know? 2.40 Eastern. 2.40. Okay, excellent. I just want to make sure that the communication was clear from us to CNN. You, of course, as always, my friend, are a gentleman and a scholar and are welcome anytime. And you did freak me out a little bit with the uh, the voice there at the beginning. Well I, done. Feel, I have a feeling somebody's going to pay heavily for this. Oh, that's almost certainly true. Thank you, Ed. Okay, bye. Bye now. All right. Sorry. Scotty J. I wish I knew how to quit you. Please, I kiss you on the mouth. Please let me. Good morning, Metolia. Hi, Scotty J. Good morning, Rick. How are you? Are we any closer to finding out why that happened? No, because he's in a meeting. Who? Uh, Richard. Okay. So, here's the funny thing. So we'd written down here, you'll note here on these sheets. I agree. Lisa Goddard, 1130. Mm-hmm. Just the time we have her every single day, every single week, every month. Yes. And then you'll notice over here on this other page, it says Ed McCarthy, 1150. Right. Now, the odd thing is, he claims he was told to call at 1140, which is actually neither of these times. So it's actually not even that they reversed the time. He's actually calling the time that's not written anywhere on the paper at all. Now, how could I be smart enough to construct something that crazy? So it must be falling on some other end. Okay. Right? I don't know what that means. <laughs> what do you mean it's falling on another end? Maybe perhaps the CNN shoulders. Oh, well, uh, <laughs> That's a big you, accusation, Scotty. It wrong, would be wrong of me to weigh in on the perceived faults of the CNN guest bookers. Who did you talk to today? Was it Laura? Richard. It was Richard. Now, he's normally a uh, together right, kind of guy. We got talking about phone numbers, and we were talking about Amanda Moyer and talking about... Uh, um, you know, Ed McCarthy filling in, and I'm sure maybe some times got switched around. Well, here's the thing. I guess sure we'll how, I but... guess we'll know for sure here in about 90 seconds because even presuming that there was some sort of miscommunication where Ed McCarthy called it during Lisa's slot, that would mean that Lisa should be calling 
right now, right. as of this very moment. Right. And if she because of the whole call, carefully crafted Beatles call. thing that I put together, which right. I can now, which I don't even think I can do now, it would just, it would just. No, be... no, no. I would do it because you've got practice. It's, you're going to be a pro at it. It's Sarah, gonna... what do you think? Should I, I bring think her up the Beatles song? You might punch Scotty J in the face. <laughs> yes, that's who wants. To and play I've never felt that co- that you would actually do that. before. That wouldn't be the first time. An over under on that right now. <laughs> All right. Do you think I should use the Beatles song to bring her on? Totally. All right. See. Or do you have another? Do you have another song that? Uh, did she specifically decide on that one? No, that's going to be their first answer, or whatever. So it's not. I mean, I'm not trying to be creepy about it. I just thought it would be a sweet thing to play, like instead I of her normal. I think that she would be very touched it by it. Yeah. Well, I for a, for a minute when I answered the phone, I said Lisa Goddard. Hello, Rick. And it was Ed McCarthy <laughs> putting on a female and you voice. You that panicked slash mad slash what the hell's going on? It wasn't. It was just face. sort of like a where am I? What's happening? I, was I have no idea what's taking place. Apparently, you were getting the music already. So. Yeah. Anyways, I'm we'll, like ten feet away, you know. We'll all be touched by this, Rick, for the second time. Hey, there's a okay. Somebody's on hold right there. Why don't you go figure out who that is, Scotty? Let me know on this computer screen that we've set up so we can communicate. The love of sweet Christ. All right. Uh, it's five zero three seven three three two nine seventy. It is the Rick Emerson Radio Pro. Oh, by the way, before we do anything else, let me mention this. Um, so later today, we are going to be drawing for this trip for two to Orlando, Florida for the AST Do Tour and the Pro Action Sports Tour. One lucky, glorious bastard to win that. Don't forget, tonight, AM 970 is going to be at Showcase Music and Sound, which is right there in Hawthorne, right by where you used to live, actually. Mm-hmm. AM 970 is going to be at Showcase Music and Sound today. Southeast Hawthorne Boulevard. It's 3401 Southeast Hawthorne Boulevard with the Rock Band Van from 5 to 7. Uh, today, your chance to see and play the game Rock Band more than a month before its release. We're going to be giving it away uh, as well. And there's a big sale going on. It's uh, Music and Sounds, uh, Showcase Music and Sounds, 30th anniversary sale, 5 to 7 today. Everything's on sale, instruments, recording, PA systems, keyboards, DJ systems, everything. We're there from 5 till 7 today. Your chance to see, play, and win Rock Band uh, more than a month before its release. That's today from 5 to 7, 3401 Southeast Hawthorne at Showcase Music and Sound. All right, ladies and gentlemen, let's now welcome to the Rick Emerson radio program... From the Hill, CNN Radio correspondent to the stars, the one and only Lisa Goddard. Why, hello, Lisa. How are you today? I'm good. You're you're making me almost uh, cheer up a little bit. That's well, very sweet. Well, it's uh, we just decided it would be. You know, I didn't want to do like play the Dixie Cuffs or just some you know <laughs> some other thing that everybody plays. But I know that you guys have decided on this as your first dance song, and so I thought, what better way for us to send you off into the matrimonial day? Uh, than to play the Beatles. Now, because now the wedding is actually what is this weekend, right? Was it Saturday or something? Hey, yes. And then, are you going to be uh, just so we know, kind of in advance? Are you going to be here next week, or are you going to yeah. be off on a honeymoon, or what? I'll be deal? here Monday. Look at that. I will be back. That is the mark of a professional. You are a trooper. Really, you are. I mean, none of us care oh, about the show that much. Interesting. Yeah, and actually, my boss just told me that he this morning. He wants me to do some kind of hour-long interview with uh, Sanjay Gupta and Anderson Cooper about uh, the environmental crisis. <laughs> um, I'm just not sure when between now and then I'm going to really prepare for that. But well, you know, we'll see. Have fun. You know what it is? Because as part of your professionalism, we know that you will pull it out with a palm, <laughs> as you always do. Now, are you guys, if I can ask it, are you guys going to be taking uh, an actual honeymoon at some point? Or is it, is, have you just decided, because you guys have lived together for a while, so have you just decided like it's sort of, <laughs> right. sort of pointless at this juncture? Or? Right. Yeah, we're just t-shirt and jeaning it to the church, really. But no, it's uh, we're we're going to Italia. We're going to Italy in the middle of October. Excellent. Yeah, I, I think I, it'll be great. So that's kind of like what you did, uh, Rick. You had a delayed honeymoon, didn't you? Uh, 
Did you get postponed it a little bit? Well, we didn't really have a honeymoon. A honeymoon in, uh, sort of implies something pleasant and enjoyable. Um, <laughs> yeah. What we did is uh, my wife and I, because we've been together for like eight years, something like that. And so we had a very, very small wedding. I think there was literally like five people there, maybe. Um, there were three. I think it was myself, my wife, and like three people. And then the, the minister or whatever, uh, whoever it was, the, the woman who waves her hands around and says, you know, kazam, or whatever, and then you're married. Um, so that was in Southern California. And then we came back, uh, and I, you know, came back and went to, back to work. And then about a month later, we went to Utah. So because her, because my wife's family, um, it's a long story. Her, her dad, uh, dad's in a wheelchair, can't, was, was sick at the time, couldn't travel, blah, blah, blah. And so they were not able to make it to Southern California. But when you're in a wheelchair, the beach, it poses sort of uh, intricate uh, <laughs> challenges for you. A little bit. So, so we got married, came back, and then about a month later, we went to uh, Orem, Utah, which is A, the single most Republican county in the entire United States, and wow. B, the place where Lindsay Lohan is apparently in rehab right now. Oh, wow. And we had a huge reception at, um, I don't know what the actual name of it is because I'm not Mormon, but, uh, but it, 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 like one of the big Mormon towns. <laughs> language? Like there's a special Mormon language? Well, they, they have, like any religion, they have their own lingo, but there's some sort of Mormon community activity center that is like an adjunct to the actual church. Oh, I see. Uh, and my wife grew up strongly uh, Mormon, uh, and so, and of course, in Orem, even if you're not Latter Day Saint and Mormon, you kind of in Orem, you kind of are. I mean, it's just by dint right. of you're living there. there. You're, right. you're in it. So, so yes. Yeah, so about a month later, we flew to Utah, and I spent about an hour and a half eating really bad overcooked spaghetti and sitting on a plastic chair. <laughs> In what was essentially a gymnasium, while people handed around cups of flat soda, uh, and I looked in vain for alcohol anywhere and everywhere, only to find none. So, I don't mean to make it sound like anything less than the magic it was, of course, but I, uh, you know. That is terrible. Now, when you Glad go... that you can talk about this, Rick. No, it's, it's, they're in Utah. What are they going to do? It's, um, they don't really have the Internet or phones or electricity or movable type in Orem yet, so I don't really have to worry about them hearing the show. Right, that worked out. I am told that when you go to Italy, uh, you must go to a place called Cinque Terre. We almost went there, but, you know, it's it, that's more in the north. That's one of those, like, seaside, cliff-type yes. places, but... I think since it's October, we figured it, it might be a little colder than we want. So we're going to Positano, which is sort of the beach version of Cinque Terre. Okay, and I, and I say this only again, I haven't ever been anywhere. Uh, I, the London was the first time I've ever gone anywhere that wasn't just down to the 7-Eleven to get some fish sticks. So you're like Jason. He's never been out of this country either. That's See, and I just, you know, my wife finally, she went to Italy for a couple weeks uh, with the understanding that I would then meet her in London. And she did send me, she, she took some photographs. Uh, and I guess she was sort of at the end of the tourist season, so probably wouldn't be a little too cool for you now. But um, of this Cinque Terre place where, like, I guess she had lunch, like, on the edge of a cliff overlooking the Riviera or something. Oh, it's like one of those things that wow. you kind of look at it and you sort of can't fathom that it's a real place because right. it just looks so much like a postcard. So, right. uh, so when is the Italian trip coming up? Italian trip, October 18th. 18th to 28th. All right. So huh. uh, not to dwell just relentlessly on your personal life, but now we, Sarah and I were having this discussion after the show yesterday, and I don't know if you brought this up or if we'd ever asked you or whether whatever. So we were wondering whether there had been the obligatory bachelor and bachelorette parties for you There guys. were indeed, yes. And so what is a, I mean, it's... What's involved in a Lisa what, Goddard bachelorette party? See, and I was, was going to ask what's involved in a Jason Sporbert bachelor party, and then I realized that you might not even know. So what <laughs> what really, if I can ask this without sounding improper, really what is a Lisa, a, a Lisa Goddard bachelorette party like? Well, 
real quickly, Jason went to the Kentucky Derby with his boys, and they had a great time. Well, there you go. That's that's kind of manly and appropriate. It was solid. Right. It was good. All right. Um, But for me, you know, everyone, I told my friend, I was like, I I am not going to be walking around with some kind of crown or veil, you know, with a, you know, with drinking mini bottles out of my purse. (laughs) Like, you know, what we did, my friend Megan actually planned this huge, it was geeky, but it was fantastic, this kind of crossword scavenger hunt and you had to do different things at different places in Washington and then we just went out drinking and dancing that night and then the next day we went to uh, the drag queen brunch downtown Washington three of us wore our uh, most hated bridesmaids dresses Okay, that's pretty great, actually. It was, pre- it was. I think it was good stuff. I mean, the fact that you're basically doing like a crossword puzzle geocache uh, at the beginning of, of it, and that it ends with you at a drag queen bar. Really, that's isn't that great? And and ended up with one of my friends who is very well endowed actually getting felt up by a drag queen in front of the entire restaurant. Please tell me there are photographs of this. Yes, it was very weird. And the, then it got even weirder because an alcohol was a great sport. Maybe I should, but I'll call her Deb. No, my, my, she was a great sport about it because uh-huh. uh, this was a very well-endowed drag queen as well. Had medically enhanced, no question. And But then uh, the other uh, gay gentleman in the bar kind of or in the restaurant thought maybe they could have the right to go up to my friend and kind of uh, see what the real thing was about, too. And we had to keep telling people, no, like you are not – you cannot – you cannot fondle my friend. I do. I have witnessed this, and I don't pretend to speak for the gay community. That's Scotty's role. But I will say that <laughs> in my experience, and I have seen this firsthand a couple of times, there is – how do I put this? There is, I believe, in some small niche of the gay male community, there is this belief that if you are a gay male, you are just allowed with impunity just to grope any and all straight women sort of within within distance. It was so strange. You are, really, it was it was just bizarre. And yeah. I, did, I remember it was almost like in slow motion that I just was like, no. <laughs> You're diving in front of her like Clint Eastwood in, in the line of fire. <laughs> exactly. Fantastic. Yeah, it was a great time. All right. Uh, well, we should really, uh, I guess we should talk about, about other things, but I don't really care all that much except to ask you this, right. I really had just planned I can give you on, a quick two minute update on the world if you want really the only thing I, I kind of care about on this uh, on this sheet and we're just because we're kind of heading towards the top and I know you got things to do and places to go and relatives to placate and so forth and, <laughs> uh, and by the way I have to ask and I don't know if your blog you and Jason's your blog is going to be staying up or coming down after this the we'll, wedding we'll keep it up for a little while yeah I do apologize for any and all inappropriate comments that may ever have been posted there by some of our more deranged listeners <laughs> perhaps found the URL, I, uh, they no, break free no, of their restraining devices occasionally. Delightful, delightful. Though someone hacked into our polls, and so we've had problems with that. Really? Yeah. I'm sorry. Yeah. I, it's probably someone who listens to us. I, I think so. Um, so all I know is that there's some sort of congressional debate about, what is it about? Is it just about Rush Limbaugh, or is it talk radio in general? What is? Okay, there's, sure. There's, no. I, there's some, Limbaugh made some crack about... About some of the soldiers being, quote, fake soldiers or fake troops. Phony is that right? Soldiers. Phony soldiers. He's all class. And so now there is some huge, more of my tax dollars at work on just the fritteringly, uh, on, you know, the pointless. Uh, so now there's some huge debate going back and forth in the Congress about talk radio comments. It really is about Rush Limbaugh specifically. There, there is a huge, much larger debate about talk radio in general. There are some Democrats who want to reinstall something called the Fairness Doctrine, which, uh-huh. which would dramatically affect radio, but it, it doesn't look like it's going to have any chance of surviving, so we don't need to get into it, but that's sort of out there. Uh, but this specific debate this week is about Rush Limbaugh 
Every Senate Democrat has signed a letter to Clear Channel's CEO asking that Rush Limbaugh be repudiated. So every Democratic U.S. Senator has signed this letter. And indeed, Limbaugh's comments, they were talking about, in general, outspoken war opponents. Uh, and, and Limbaugh said something about phony soldiers. Like, I don't like, I don't like those phony soldiers. And um, or the other person said, you know, uh, you know, they roll out, they, where do they find these people? They're not talking to the real soldiers. And then Limbaugh said, yeah, phony soldiers. Now, Limbaugh says he literally meant people who pretend to be soldiers and are not. And there have been a couple of cases where people have con been convicted of doing that. Uh, but others took that to mean that he felt like any soldier speaking up against the war is phony. If you look at the comments and the context and everything they were talking about, it does seem he was just talking about literally people faking it. Uh, but but it wasn't it wasn't perfectly clear. So uh, Limbaugh hasn't backed down at all. He said, "Listen, this is being taken out of context. The Democrats and uh, especially military veterans and soldiers against the war um, are irate and say this has got to be put down. This is again the right calling people unpatriotic for opposing the war." So the Democrats have signed this letter. Meanwhile, in the House, um, a resolution has actually been introduced uh, to praise Rush Limbaugh and thank him for his support of really, troops. Really, the Congress couldn't, regardless of one's political persuasion, Congress could not be more wasteful of my money if they decided to invest it in Herbalife. It's quite amazing. It's really amazing. Jesus. I described it earlier today. It's as if, uh, you know, they're in this chasm. Uh, they're running out of food. They've got to figure something out. But instead, they decide to play paintball with each other. Good God Almighty. All right. Well, Lisa, uh, from all of us here at the Rick Emerson Show, to you, to Jason, to your respective families, oh. congratulations on your upcoming marriage. And uh, may oh. all the best uh, happiness be yours in the future. And we'll talk to you on Monday, uh, presumably when you return. It's a date. All right. Lisa Thank Goddard, you. ladies and gentlemen, on the Hill, CNN radio correspondent Lisa Goddard. Thank you so much, Lisa. All right. We'll talk to you soon. There you go. All right. Lisa Goddard, ladies and gentlemen. The Rick Emerson Show continues next with Tim Riley at the noon news hour. Coming up, Jim Roof as well. Also, Peter Carlin and the top five. Don't go anywhere. It's the Rick Emerson Show. program, ladies and gentlemen. Without further ado, let us go to the man you know as your personal savior, Tim Riley. For the Rick Emerson Noon News Hour from AM 970 Solid State Radio. And now, from the Ministry of Truth, this is Tim Riley. Our top story, the president wants four children to die. President Bush had a sharp confrontation with Congress, vetoed a bipartisan bill that would have dramatically expanded children's health insurance. It was only the fourth veto of his presidency, and one some Republicans feared would carry steep risks to their party in the election. Saving his vetoes for the really important thing. Yeah, the Senate approved the bill with enough votes to override the veto, but the margin in the House fell short of the required number. Majority Leader Harry Reid, a Democrat from Nevada, decried Bush's actions as a heartless veto. Meanwhile, the president defended this heartless veto of the children's health bill that would have, well, taken care of poor, sick children. He says he supports children's health. The S-CHIP program was supposed to help those poor families 
the children of poor families children. have uh, the ability to get health insurance for their children. Until you vetoed it. <laughs> Your soul is an appalling dung heap. All right. So uh, I'm amazed, by the way, attention, hack uh, morning shows. I am amazed that no one has done the, uh, you're a mean one, Mr. Bush. I don't know why nobody's done that. I'm not going to do it because it's beneath me as a radio entertainer. But I'm saying it seems like there's somebody out there who ought to have done that by now. So uh, Democrats are uh, complaining that he likes war more than he likes helping poor sick children. White House spokeswoman Dana Perino says Democrats are complaining that the president will veto the health bill while continuing to request huge sums of money for the ongoing war in Iraq. The president's first and foremost responsibility is making sure that Americans are safe, including children are safe. And frankly, that's Congress's main responsibility as well. And that's where the priorities are. I think that anyone, I think it's apples and oranges to try to compare S-CHIP to funding for the troops. That's right. It, it... It doesn't matter if they're sick, if they're dead, does it, Dana? So, uh, by the way, I should I should point out simple, simple mathematics here is um, Scotty's note. Can, can we reveal now? Can we talk about why that we're leading with this story? Sure. So, as you know, it, we have almost no concern with things happen that happen in American politics, except as much as they can provide us with with amusing right. Both fodder. parties are basically the same. Anecdotes. Really, that's the only reason we ever talk about anything on this program because it gives us a chance to annoy people. Mm. So, as part and parcel of that, we were getting ready for the program today at like ten fifty-five, ten fifty, just a couple minutes before the show. I think we were literally in the final ninety seconds before the program, which is usually kind of a the panic mode around here when we realize that we don't have a piece of sound and one of the computers won't turn on and somebody's headphones have vanished and I haven't had any coffee and the heater you know is making it 95 degrees in the studio so it's like the final 90 seconds before the show Scotty comes in throws open the door like he's Bruce Willis saving Julia Roberts and the player and says by the way before you talk about Bush vetoing health care I want to explain why he did it and by the way keep it this is not on the air they were just sitting here peacefully in the studio, minding our own business, trying to prepare the program. Scotty felt it was so unbelievably loaded with social and political importance that he came and threw open the studio door and began to scream at us about it before the show even started. Um, that's how close an issue to Scotty's heart that it, it is. So uh, because of that and because it is so clearly important to Scotty, uh, we've decided to not let him talk about it. And instead, we're going to lead the story uh, you know, today and, uh, and uh, probably for the rest of the day. So there. So there. All right. We have more on this. Do we have? Is there more? Uh, Miss Perino says taxing uh, cigarettes, the paper children's health, doesn't make any sense. Of course not. It's not very good policy. The president has a role to play in legislative um, debates as well. And one of the things the president can do is say, I'm not going to sign a bill that comes to me with extraneous spending. I'm not going to sign a bill that has policies in it that um, should not be a part of the United States policy. What does that mean? I, no one knows. All I know and is... He said, secondly, I believe in private medicine, not the federal government running the health care system. Apparently, most of America disagrees with that. <laughs> Apparently, private medicine is the kind that you hoard in your bomb shelter and that you guard zealously with a shotgun. Yes. So, Lord knows we don't spend billions and billions of dollars on, uh, on pointless, useless, non-productive things now. That doesn't happen at all. No. All right, so there you go. So there's that. Now on to more local interest. That Happy Valley man who prefers to do his gardening in the nude will not be happy that he's breaking the law next time he decides to take it all up outside his house. The Happy Valley City Council has unanimously passed an ordinance that would make public nudity a crime. 
It prohibits unlawful exposure within the city limits of Happy Valley. Now, here's a dumb question. Where is Happy Valley at? And the reason I get confused is because there's a Happy Valley in Salt Lake. Mm -hmm. And so whenever they talk about Happy Valley here, I flash back to thinking about this place in Utah, which obviously is a different Mm -hmm. place. Where is Happy Valy relative to Portland? Clackamas County. Really? He's yeah. a, Cla- a Clackamas but, but, man wishes to garden nude. But there are a nice place in Clackamas County to have the Street of Dreams there on the last two occasions. I thought the Street of Dreams was uh, no. kind of someplace a little more uh, a little more cosmopolitan. There, it, as you go out in the hinterlands, there are hidden wealthy people out there. <laughs> of course they're hidden. They're hiding from the rest of the Clackamas citizens. They, uh, don't tell well, that's why they here. build these places. <laughs> Is Clackamas being gentrified? And some places are really so the the slow the slow creep of uh, of money has begun into that neighborhood. Well, don't forget, like places like West Lynn are in Clackamas County. Well, well, fair enough. All right. So I was because otherwise the idea of a man in Clackamas demanding the right to wave his penis and around. And of course, it's, it's always ugly people you don't want to see. Nude. Oh, well, see, that's, that's exactly what I'm talking about. You don't. Apparently, he doesn't have enough gas to get the subby. It's island. David Crosby. Look at that. That's, that's who it looks like. Okay, look at that guy and picture him impregnating Melissa Etheridge and singing "Teacher Children." That's uh. totally. <laughs> that's totally who that is. And he's only 56. Of course, you just know that that guy has a show on KBU on the weekends. He, he says it's spiritual, not sexual. Oh, he shut says. Up. I worship God, and he gives us these bodies to interface with creation. To wave around while trimming a hedge. It's worshipful to me. Uh-huh. Oh, he, God gave you a very ugly body. <laughs> <laughs> well, look, I mean, you... That is the word. I mean, that is uh, that is the word of the Lord. One can't really contradict that. Uh, take it up with the manufacturer, I suppose. All right, here's Tim Riley. Uh, Nicholas Cage has caught a man in his Newport Beach home who was apparently trying on the actor's wardrobe. Newport Beach police say they received a call from a security guard around two o'clock in the morning in the gated community where Cage lives. Get, get, get. <laughs> He had confronted a male subject inside of his home, and that the male subject was wearing one of his jackets, Nicholas Cage's jackets. Uh, he uh, then apparently escorted the man outside the house, and uh, Newport Beach police officers responded and found the subject in the backyard. That's so creepy. I mean, I would almost prefer that a guy go into my... I mean, I don't prefer this, but in a relative sense, that a guy go in and just steal my, my television. You go in and a guy's wearing your underwear and... You know, one of your hats around the house or something. That's just weird. That That's like you hear those stories occasionally about, you know, the, the, the burglar entered the home and then made himself a ham sandwich, put up his feet, and then watched Wheel of Fortune. I mean, that's just, just come in and take my VCR and leave like a normal meth user. Uh, meanwhile, from Montgomery, Alabama, comes the word a judge once considered to be a prominent federal appointment has resigned amid allegations of possible judicial and sexual improprieties, including that he spanked male inmates in his private cloakroom. The resignation of Circuit Judge Herman Thomas ends what was once viewed as one of Alabama's most promising legal careers, although his legal problems continue. There is a criminal investigation going on. Uh, apparently, uh, this is the first in the series of charges accusing him of unduly helping relatives and friends with their legal troubles and taking cases away from other judges without permission. Well, apparently, that's not all he did. Uh, let's see. The president of the local NAACP accuses investigators of coercing inmates to make allegations against Thomas, who is black. Also, a six-year-old lawsuit uh, resurfaced in which an inmate accused the judge of offering to help provide him with inmate cases in return for sexual favors. Yeah. All right. So, uh, that'll be investigated. Uh, a man accused of planting pipe bombs under four cars has been found guilty. We talked about Lonnie Glinsky before. He uh, pleaded insanity to no avail. 
Uh, the 45-year-old rigged his ex-wife's car with a pipe bomb in an attempt to kill her and gain full custody of their kids. He's also accused of planting three other pipe bombs under random vehicles around Salem. Okay, by the way, speaking of that, so now it's 12.20. We are 20 minutes past the Britney Spears child handover deadline. What was all the excitement of Ed McCarthy pretending to be Lisa Goddard and Scotty having a stroke in the back room about George Bush killing children? Mm-hmm. Uh, we, we've forgotten to keep track of all this, so... It just if I can put a pin All in this right. for just a moment, take a pause. Do we know anything about anything? Let me look here. As regards Britney Spears, because uh, it is I don't know when. It, it I was, don't see anything saying that she's turning over anything. So it's never. It still has not been confirmed. Uh, you think somebody would be right on that? I mean, well, you gotta. I mean, unless it already happened. I mean, it seems like the the paparazzi. Uh, Follow her all the time, every single day, every moment, and then if possible, they amp it up even further when something like this happens. So it does seem like if something happened one way or the other, we would surely be apprised of that. Some would make us aware of these things. So okay. so there is no news at this time. All right. So we are going to talk to uh, Jim Roop at 120 about this. So I guess we'll get the uh, we'll get the good word then. All right. Here's Tim Riley. However, in an exclusive interview with the son Brittany's aunt, said. We're very worried that things are going to spiral out of control. Instead of returning her to her family, she's going to turn to the friends that she's been hanging with and partying and drugs. And whether it be intentional or accidental, there may be a drug overdose. We're worried about suicidal tendencies in her. Everything is spiraling down and she's got no backbone. A family member has to help. We worry one day we'll turn on the TV that she's done something terrible to herself. You know, this is just like that... um... There's this film that uh, filmmaker Todd Haynes, who went on to do Far From Heaven and some other movies. He that did was a good movie. Yeah, it was. And it, have you ever seen that Karen Carpenter movie he did with Barbie dolls? No. There's this film Todd Haynes, who did Far From Heaven. That's kind of his most widely known film. He did this. Uh, it was a film he did when he was like 19 or 20, and it got pulled off the market because Richard Carpenter went all went nuts about it because it you because it depicted Karen Carpenter as an unstable anorexic and their family is abusive and so forth. And they, they got it pulled on the grounds that he used Carpenter's music without permission. Anyway, it's kind of an interesting film. It is the Karen Carpenter story as told using Barbie dolls, and it's kind of creepy because as the and it's. And it's, I mean, he does it seriously. I mean, it's a pretty, as high production value as something that centers around plasticine female figures can be. Um, so it is, the, it is the life story of Karen Carpenter done using Barbie dolls, and it's sort of disturbing because as the movie goes along, as Karen Carpenter gets dinner, obviously they just have whittled pieces of the Barbie doll away. So by the end, the Barbie doll, it's just like this tiny little stick of a Barbie doll. Um, but somebody really needs to be doing one of those with Britney Spears right now. Somebody really needs to be doing... Just as we were talking to the Nickel Arcade guys about making the the Britney Spears death anthem before she's even in, somebody needs to be working on the Britney Spears Lifetime movie like today. That'll be the next step. Not only will they pre-write obituaries, they'll pre-film Lifetime movies about... That is a great idea. I wonder who would play her. Okay, now listen to me right now. This is a great idea, another one of those ideas that percolates up here in the Rick Emerson Show, like a big percolating thing. It does, doesn't it? This is a fantastic idea. This would get attention. This would get ratings. This would get all kinds of buzz, as they say. Somebody, uh, such as us or VH1, somebody like uh, some sort of pop culture-oriented network needs to make the Britney Spears story... Uh, and then in the last five minutes, literally just have like a like a choose your own adventure thing where like five possible ways her story will end. Want like make it like Clue where there's multiple endings. One ending is the comeback. One ending is she vanishes like in uh, Sunset Boulevard. Uh, the other ending is she overdoses. The fourth ending is 
I don't know, she jumps off a building. The fifth ending is like she just ends up fat and living in Akron. So somebody needs to make the Britney Spears Lifetime movie. And then at the end, you just punt by having various endings that the filmmakers speculate on, and then one of them will be overdose. That would get attention. That would be interesting. From X-17, word on the street is that Britney may return to Crossroads Center in Antigua, where she was for 24 hours back in February. So uh, they're working on that story now. All right. Well, so there you go. But no mention of kids. All right. Well, Rupe will have the uh, Rupe will have the skinny for us later on. All right. Here's Tim Riley. Uh, authorities say a man who was wanted by police was struck by a car near the city of Hillsborough at baseline of 185th. Last night, 26-year-old Paul Lozano Jr. was walking near the shoulder of the road when a car hit him. He was wearing dark clothing, and um, well, visibility was low due to rain and the fact that it's dark out. <laughs> <laughs> this village was low due to the fact that it's pitch black because it's midnight. <laughs> okay. He was sent to a manual. He has serious injuries. Oh. He's uh, wanted uh, and has a serious uh, arrest warrant on him. Oh, so he's a no-good Nick anyway. Right. Well, the hell with him. That's what everyone says. <laughs> well, a woman who advertised her services as a reverend on Craigslist has been arrested after police say she performed a marriage ceremony for a couple and then stole... Her Home Depot gift cards that were meant for the bride and the groom. Well done. The wedding went off without a hitch. It was beautiful, said the newlyweds. Uh, this fellow named uh, Sean and his wife Kitty had plans for their home. Kitty. Sean and Kitty invite you to the glory of their union this Sunday. Well, what they wanted to do was to update their 1950s kitchen, so they asked people to give them gift cards for Home Depot. Yeah. And uh, apparently they were all stolen. And they think the uh, the reverend did it. Well, so okay. that's that. Nobody answered her apartment door when they went knocking, and she did not return. All they heard was she couldn't hear the knocking over the sound of power saws being used inside. Uh, It is surprisingly easy to become a registered officiate so you can legally send a marriage license. Oh, no, somebody told me that that all it takes, it's like $15. There's like some license you have to get, Mm -hmm. and there's like a doctor of divinity thing or whatever that you hang on on a wall somewhere, and then you can just begin to marry. I ought to do that. I should become a reverend in time, or maybe you should do that. I think at one point you were going to become the Reverend Tim Riley. I think I was. I don't know what happened to that. That's what we ought to do. This should be our big 08 first quarter promotion. We'll have you oh. become a Reverend, and then we'll have you marry a bunch of people. That sounds great. How do you feel about that? I, th- I think I like that. Done and done. Tim's right. going to marry some people in 2008. You yeah. heard it here first. All right, here's Tim Riley. Well, a uh, mother who had her daughter taken away at birth, a teen who thought meth would make her skinny, and a little girl who hit her pain with drugs. These are the stories behind a new documentary. We, we uh, mentioned this yesterday, highlighting Oregon's meth problem. This is called Crystal Darkness. It'll air on 25 Oregon TV stations. And it's apparently the uh, brainchild of K2. And you know who's going to host really? it? Really? Carl Click. Really? He introduced us to a woman who felt that feeding her addiction was more important than feeding her own son. Uh, Besides being on K2, uh, let's see, next Tuesday night, it'll be also broadcast on 25 television stations throughout Oregon. I didn't know we had that many TV stations in Oregon, apparently so. I understand that that Crystal Darkness, which has been advertised relentlessly on this very fine radio station, meet Crystal Darkness at Jiggles. (laughs) She's staying up till 2 in the morning to meet you. You know, (laughs) with really tiny pupils and sweating. (laughs) Hi, I'm Crystal Darkness. Would you like a private dance in one of our VIP rooms? Um, I can't even go forward now. I was just going to say that everybody has made that same joke. I think Sarah made that joke. About, like, Crystal Darkness, one of our exciting new suicide girls. Um, well, whatever. I, uh, Andrew Vox, who's a crime writer who lives in Portland at one point, had a character named Crystal Beth that I always thought was really great. Um, but the Crystal Darkness, as I understand it, 
from one of the many advertisements that have been aired on this radio program. Um, apparently, Crystal Darkness is uh, the first step in what they call the community fights back. So, so there you go. So everybody watch that tonight. Or, no, it's next or Tuesday. Not. Uh, watch it next Tuesday yeah. if you're not watching. It'll feature local meth addicts working to defeat the drug. They'll look at the lives they touched and the programs available to them. The first one's about a woman who's felt that feeding her addiction was more important than feeding her it own It does keep you thin, though. That's really true. That's not, uh, that's not propaganda. We should say this right now. Methamphetamine does keep you very slender. That is simply a fact. Uh, I won't be I'll be watching Cavemen, unfortunately. So. You think it's going to be on next week? Oh, it'll be on I next have, week. Why is nobody bragging about the numbers from Caveman? Here's the thing. I haven't seen anything about that today. You're deeply suspicious of the whole affair. Oh, yeah. um, La Affair Neanderthal. Mm. The, uh, so Caveman was on last night. I don't know what the numbers were last night, but they're going to give it, they'll give it at least one more week then to see it crater. Just to see, just to see the, the ratings implode, and then it's going to be gone. Uh, boy, I watched about four minutes of that carpool or carpoolers show or whatever the hell it was after Caveman, and that was just, it's its like I could feel my brain turning into some sort of a powdery substance as I viewed it. You know what I mean? My brain, Every fold of my brain vanishing and my head eventually just being home to some smooth bowling ball type object. It was, it was incapable of even the most base cerebral functions. So don't watch that show either. Let's take a break here. We'll come back with uh, more Tim Riley around the corner later on. Bionic Woman. Really? Yeah. She's on tonight. Bionic Wednesday? It is. All right. What channel is that on? NBC. Oh, thank God. Are you always a little glad when we read these stories that it's not on CBS? Every time we talk about some hideous television program and it doesn't end with on CBS. Oh, I've got a few CBS stories here. Okay, that's great. Back after this, uh, plus Jim Roop, Peter Carlin, and the top five musicians who died at age 27. Stay there. everything that's happened in the last five minutes. So we discovered that the thermostat, which we thought was fixed, I don't mean to complain, I don't mean to be uh, whining Wendy here, but the thermostat, which we thought was fixed, is actually not fixed. What's the temperature in the studio now, Sarah? 79.2 degrees. Well, that's odd because the thermostat is set at 70. You'd think that Maybe it would be... Maybe we're all just really hot. Well, it we are because hot. it's 79.2 degrees. That's why we're all really hot. Uh... And so then Sarah just now took off her jacket, immediately put it back on and said, I forgot I'm wearing a see-through shirt. And then, well, God help me. So then, of course, I look to see what the see because somebody says, look, I'm wearing a see-through shirt. Obviously, one look. Well, but clearly that that's what's going to well, happen. Well, I remembered that I put on a tank top underneath it. Why do you own a see-through shirt if well, you're not going to? this is a shirt that I wear underneath other shirts, and I didn't think that it was going to be see. so warm in here today. Because I'm wearing a, a zip-up, you know, like short sleeve hoodie thing that I didn't think I'd have to take off. All right. Well, in any event, so everybody out there can quash your, uh, you can quash your prurient visions. You're wearing that Hillary Clinton color today. You are. It's sort of a, like a it's salmon pink. pink kind of a thing. All right. Sure. So, All right. Let's all take a deep breath. So... <laughs> Rick, 
K2 should just skip the whole crystal darkness thing and get straight to the point by calling it the dark crystal and showing the draining of the essence over and over again. Why fluff it up with uh, fluff it up with interpersonal dramas and recovery stories? Just show people what meth does, M. All right. I don't mean to, and this is the only thing I'm going to say about that crystal darkness thing, uh, that, 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 whatever, that K2 is going to be, uh, you know, Carl Click is a listener, a good friend of ours, fine, great, wonderful. Watch it, don't watch it. I don't have kids, so it doesn't matter to me. It does seem kids to me. Kids are going to do this stuff anyway. Well, oh, that's a rite of passage. <laughs> Can I tell you this? Sure. I got sucked in by one of those. Uh, I try never, ever, ever to click on sort of interactive banners on websites. You know, like on MySpace, you know, smash this thing with a hammer and win an iPod. You know, I, I try never to do those. But I was checking my mail last night, and there was a banner that it was sort of a quiz. And it was like, which one of these drugs is done by 40% of high schoolers? And um, and I looked, and it was like heroin, ecstasy, marijuana, uh, meth. And I actually had to sit and think about it for a while, because depending on where one lives, I mean, really, even having clicked on it and found out that their alleged answer is 40%, really in Southeast, I call a little bit of crap on that. I, I really think it might be a dead heat. I think meth might be the secretariat of the drug world. You know what I mean? Starts a little slow, but in the long run, comes out the winner. So, in the opinion of CBS Radio News, your kids are just going to do it anyway. So, you know. Um, it just, it seems like if somebody hands you a bunch of drugs that are made out of crap from underneath the sink and like radiator drippings, if you look at that and decide that that's something you've got to snort into your face, I don't really know that 22 minutes of an old white guy on television telling you not to do it is really going to have the desired effect. No disrespect to Carl Click. I'm just saying. Yeah. It does seem like there's a particular mindset that looks at a big, a big bag of meth and says, I ought to stay home and do that and then quit bathing. I'd like more open sores on my body. Here's Tim Riley. Then they just roll up your dead body in newspapers and shove you by the side of the road in Southeast. <laughs> you end up in a dumpster next yeah. to my house. All right, here's Tim Riley, the Ministry of Truth. Well, let's see what's going on here. Uh, Sam Adams is running for mayor of Portland, to the surprise of no one. NBC's Bionic Woman is off to a strong start. This is the resurrected uh, 1970s drama. It uh, debuted to 13.6 million viewers last week and won the all-important 18 to 49 demographic during the 9 o'clock hour. It's on again tonight, and it stars William Lee. And uh, let's see, he says he enjoys being on this uh, program. We were all on set working that night, and the next morning most of us were working. So you know, we didn't really have that much room, but I know just the general feel lightened up the tension and you know, just is... the you know, long hours we were putting in. I think this is the wrong soundbite. It I, is, but I'm going according <laughs> to the script. I don't know what to replace it with. But I, I like the way you're just uh, playing through the... Uh... I like the way you're just playing through the pain, though, and you're moving ahead as though it's the right soundbite. Yes, and that's what we do here. That's like when you have the newscaster who says, and 15 were killed in the awful explosion, and uh, here's our own uh, John uh, St. Peter's on the scene with that. And then they cut to it into the water skiing squirrel, mm -hmm. and then we just cut back, and he says, police suspect arson. And they just they move right on. All right. Lee says he's impressed with the job that Michelle Ryan does. We call them number one on the call sheet. You know, they're the lead of the show. They set the tone of the show, and if they're not, you know, if they're not cool, if they're not nice, or whatever it is, it it, it just echoes throughout the whole the whole thing. So she's probably one of the nicest people you'll ever meet. Yeah, generally, it's what it's about. Really, it doesn't it doesn't matter. We're not going to acknowledge any mistakes on this program. This version of the program is better than the original, in Mr. Lee's opinion. And that seemed a little bit more on the campy side, and, and this is kind of a, a really cool world okay, that David Icke created or painted for the Bionic Woman. So it's definitely updated. She has $50 million 
you know, worth of equipment instead of, you know, six or whatever it was. So inflation is going to make this a much cooler show to watch. Bionic Woman is making this a better show. <laughs> How many times do you... Uh, inflation is really the key to this being fantastic. The Bionic Woman. Just for inflation. Uh, here's, this is on NBC, right? So I can slag it all I want? Let me look. It's not a CBS program. It is an NBC program. It is an NBC program. So F the Bionic Woman. Here's why you don't need to watch it. A, there's no ch ch ch, -ch, -ch sound. B, uh... Well, I guess that's really all you need is, is now that B, they're obsessed with making it all edgy and dark, which just doesn't make any sense since it is, you know, about a bionic. And since it's Jamie Lee Summers, and is she still called Jamie Lee Summers? Do you know? I don't Because I heard they I had to change everything. And you know what else they can do contractually speaking? Do you know on the bionic woman they can make no mention of Steve Austin, a man barely alive? They cannot make any mention of the $6 million man. Contractually, he cannot appear in the program. They can't mention him in the program. He can't be referenced. So. Well, that's like in uh, Smallville, he's he's not allowed to put on a Superboy costume. Is that true? Yeah. Well, now, is that because of some sort of... You know how DC is always getting sued by the creators and their fans? <laughs> Aaron the Geek probably knows more about it than I do. <laughs> Those guys from Siegel and Schuster who traded the Superman rights for some shiny beads. Like 70 years ago, and the relatives <laughs> are still fighting over it. 70 years ago. And, and Siegel and Schuster, I think, have both been dead for like... I mean, they, they're, the, they're the Fred Goldman of the comic book world. They really are. <laughs> It really is. It, re it really is. I mean, it's both. I, I think they're dead. And I know this sounds horrible, but, but if they're dead, it's fine. It's, I'll laugh at it. It's funny. I guess if they're alive and living in an old folks' home, eating a bunch of gruel through a straw, maybe it's not so funny. But I think Siegel and Schuster, who are the guys who created Superman, I think they're dead. In which case, I, I, think can, they are too. I can just sort of snicker about it here because they created Superman. The I mean... Obviously, everybody, there's no exaggeration, the the most important property in comic history. Mm. Probably one of the most lucrative properties in publishing history, period. And they went to DC Comics where they're like, oh, look, we've created this guy, Superman. <laughs> and, and DC Comics basically said, well, how'd you like some vouchers to the automat? It's, okay, fine. And here's here's bus fare. Here's a token. And that's, that's what they sold it for. So every time you see the Superman movie, every time you see a Superman cartoon, every time you see a Superman lunchbox, those guys get bupkis. They get nothing from that. And their family is just, and you're right, just still so pissed off about the whole thing. Um... It's like, uh, you know, it's like Mildred and Patty Hill's family. Those are the, the two women. And the fact that it took two women to write Happy Birthday, the two women who wrote Happy Birthday, and even to this day, uh, you know, if you, if you in a movie or something, if you see Happy Birthday being sung, that's like 15 grand to the family of Mildred and Patty Hill. So, boy, those days are gone, though, when you could just write one song like that and it would just pay your rent for the rest of your life. So, well, that does explain why they don't show the Superman costume then. Mm -hmm. All right. Yes, New York's a tough town. Members of the Taxi Workers Alliance say they'll leave their cabs at home and go on strike for 24 hours on Monday, October 22nd. The lockout will begin at 5 a.m. They're to hold a rally downtown the same day. Batavi Dasahi said the group is very upset that they're being forced to install GPS systems in their cabs. This technology, which consists of GPS tracking on the meter, a TV monitor in the back seat of a taxi cab, a credit card reader, and a text message box, we think is completely unnecessary. I'll take women who can never have a phone sex career for a thousand, oh, Alex. That's bad. The new technology is unfair. The tracking is absolutely unacceptable, and the 5% on the credit cards is simply a wage cut. Boy, just even if you didn't know where she was from, if you just put that voice in a lot of said, what metropolitan city does this woman hail from? 
Uh, all right. Uh, couch driver Bill Landauer said the improvements have been made with resistance from riders. The TLC suffers from self-delusion. They think this system is worthwhile. These, these are the same people who brought forth the talking taxi. The public hated it. My tongue is not fully attached to the inside of my mouth. Uh, hi, Peter. You're on the Peter Man. You're on the Rick. Oh, is this Peter from Nickel Arcade? Sure is. Hello, sir. How comes the Britney death song? We actually just, uh, we've, we've recorded all the guitars and stuff last night, and I just am leaving the studio from the vocals being done today. Are we causing you to neglect your schoolwork, young lad? Uh, well, we all got out of school a pretty long time ago. <laughs> Excellent. Um, well done. Uh, it conflicted with our VH1 schedule. <laughs> um, but, uh, but no, yeah, we're, we're all working, like, uh, a ton, so, uh... So uh, we've been working around that. Fantastic. All right. So uh, all right. So the the Britney song, which is called "I Hope There's Vodka in Heaven." Indeed. And so, um, do you have a target date? And this is no pressure, but do you have a target date for when you anticipate the song being airable? Uh, it is going to be done tomorrow. Excellent. Fantastic. Well, she's probably going to hang on for at least a couple of days. Well, that's what we're hoping. I was going to say though, uh, we would love. We have some time to come out on Friday and play it for you guys, and, like be in the studio. We'd love to come in. Sarah. Why not? I think we can make room for these uh, fine sure young rock and roll lads on Friday. Excellent. Um, do me a favor. Uh, I'm going to put you back on hold. I think Scotty, I'm not making this up, I think Scotty has been sent across the street to buy macaroni for Sarah. So well, I traded him my other South Beach uh, chicken wrap thing if you wouldn't For the rights to Superman? If you wouldn't give me an easy Mac. All right. Here's yeah. an easy wrap. We're, How we're do you feel if I give me the Batman and Robin patent? Um, okay, so I'm going to put you, okay, so Scotty, I'm going to put Peter on hold. Uh, Peter, thank you so much. Talk to Peter, and we'll figure out a time. So Aaron is coming in to figure out a time for Peter and his uh, and his boys to come in and uh, share the rock with us. Thank you, Scotty. All right, here's Tim Riley. Lindsay Lowen's Mike, the microphone off. Lindsay, <laughs> I've turned it up myself. I love this show. Now, Lindsay Lowen's planned release from rehab has reportedly been blocked after she failed a drug test. She even received treatment for drug and alcohol. How do you fail a drug <laughs> test in rehab? Uh, apparently, she was supposed to complete her problem uh, program. Insiders also alleged she's been drinking alcohol and mixing diet pills with prescriptions for anti-anxiety medication <laughs> to get high. Australia's new weekly magazine says, quote, I think she'll take whatever pills they allow her. It's obvious to me that she's high because she acts loopy and can't even walk a straight line. Uh, she had a friend sneak vodka in a water bottle into one of the Alcoholics Anonymous meetings. Mary wants to be her friend. They do anything for her. She smells like booze, and the staff does nothing. Uh, he says, quote, I asked her if she had any intention of being sober, and she looked at me like I was crazy. <laughs> she does whatever she wants. Wonderful. That's great. The only, uh, the only upside to this whole thing is you know that it's just like six months before she's just selling it on the street. You know what I mean? Yeah. You give it until, like, I don't know, next yeah, April, row. next May, you'll be able to get her for, like, five bucks. So, I mean, really, that's, so if you ever had the desire to have relations with Lindsay Lowen, your chance may be, she may be coming to Reno sooner rather than later. And, look, I can't be the first guy to have thought of, wouldn't you suspect if you're in a rehab or if you're going to an alcoholics meeting inside a rehab that people might have something that's not quite water in one of those water bottles? Mm. I mean, I can't be the only person, is it clearly I'm not the only person that occurs, but it occurred to Lindsay Lowen. And that further, by the way, indicates that someone, like it's not like she has a still running underneath her bed. For her to take a water bottle full of vodka into the meeting implies that somebody actually had to bring it in. So, I mean, don't they search people? If you go to visit somebody in rehab, don't they sort of, I mean, they got to know that somebody's trying to put a file in a cake at some point. So, I'm acting, I'm talking about this as though I care about Lindsay Lohan. I really don't. So, we're going to move on. Well, here's something you'll care about. Two men are battling over the ownership of that amputated leg. Remember yeah. the amputated leg that was found at the barbecue grill? Do I ever. 
Well, John Wood of South Carolina says he left that limb inside the barbecue smoker at his storage facility because he wanted to be buried with it. He left his leg in San Francisco. Mm-hmm. But the storage business auctioned it off because they didn't pay the bill. So now Wood is up in arms over the leg. Uh, Shannon Winsnot, who was first shocked at what she found inside the smoker, now believes it could bring him fame and fortune. For now, he has to put up a sign on the smoker charging adults $3 and children $1 to peek inside. Really? Mm-hmm. That's kind of great. Even though the leg is no longer inside, but at a funeral home. Wait, so, so he's charging you $3 to look inside the barbecue grill where once a leg was. Fire beware. Yeah. He believes a lot of money could be made by going on television shows. He even suggested joint custody of the leg, much to Wood's outrage. He's making a freak show out of my leg. He wants to go on The Tonight Show and sell it to the National Enquirer and call Ripley's Believe It or Not. This, I think it's despicable. This country really is just full of all kinds of weird little tide pools and eddies of human insanity. Do you know what I mean? I mean, just at any given moment. Where is this happening? South Carolina. South Carolina. At any given moment, in any little small town. I mean, every town is its own patent place. Two guys fighting over the ownership of a leg that was found inside a barbecue grill in a storage facility. You don't even really think that those stories are happening all the time, but they probably are. There's probably one of those happening in every township everywhere in the continental United States. You just don't really know about it. Kicking for Kids Who Can't Kick will be held at the National Mall over the weekend. The event works with Limbs for Life to help amputee children get prosthetic limbs. Gina Goodenow says it's an event that shouldn't even exist. But when limbs start to cost $6,000, limbs are often unaffordable when an amputee has no insurance or no coverage, as President yeah, yeah. Bush took away from young people today. For the amputees who do have insurance, they... Oftentimes, many, many of the large insurance companies qualify them as durable medical equipment and put a lifetime maximum of $2,500 on them. So even people with insurance can't get the prosthetics that they need. Say it. What are you talking about? Private insurance is much better than having the government run Communism, healthcare. Tim Riley. I won't have socialism, not in my republic. Now these children in America remain legless and armless, even headless. <laughs> no one's going to say it. No one's going to make the observation that the limbs cost an arm and a leg. Oh, that's true. Fine. Make me do it. The dirty work always falls to me. Fine. Well, a Massachusetts woman accidentally threw live hand grenades out in the trash. <laughs> that's what I'm talking about. This is just like the story with the, the, the leg of the barbecue grill in the mm-hmm. U-Storage facility. Mm-hmm. You know, meanwhile, across town... so. Emergency authorities were called out right away. They sit there for such a long time that they can degrade. The powder itself can degrade. They, the fire on, mechanisms stop. could degrade. Stop and they become uh, kind stop. of sensitive. They sit there for sexual entendre and they can degrade? I am following what it says on the sheet. I swear to God, he starts this by saying, they sit there for sexual entendre and then they degrade. Please play that again. Sure. This is uh, Wellesley Fire Chief John LaCroix. They sit there for such a long time that they can degrade. The powder itself can degrade. The fire mechanisms could degrade. Are you all hearing the same uh, thing I'm hearing? Sensitive. That's what this is supposed to be. Let's. I'm going to give this. Let's play this one more time. I swear to Christ, he says about these hand grenades. Mm-hmm. They sit there for sexual entendre, mm-hmm. and then they can degrade. They sit there for such a long time that they can degrade. The powder itself can oh, degrade. Oh, such the a fire long time. Degrade. Oh, that's sensitive. That's very suggestive, that's though. I was thinking that's exactly what he's saying. <laughs> you have the power I'm to make people think your way. Really? Yes. I, I was agreeing with you. How could I possibly use this power for financial gain? By the way, this part of the Rick Emerson Show is brought to you by Viso. DrinkVizo.com. T-R-N-K-V-I-S-O.com. Well, apparently the weapons were stored away in the trunk and a homeowner's uh, late husband had brought them back from Vietnam. She decided to throw away the trunk and its contents. <laughs> uh, wonderful. Here's a CBS story. 
Wait, is this going to involve? Uh, is this going to involve something I have to hold my tongue about? No. Okay. Uh, hey, boomers, remember the Glenn Campbell Good Time Hour? It's now available on DVD. It's called Glenn Campbell Good Times Again, featuring clips of the series' three-and-a-half-year run on CBS. Boy, there was just a time when everybody was given a television show, and no matter how bad it was, it ran for like four years. Uh, Glenn Campbell said the CBS executives weren't pleased with the audience that his variety show was bringing in. Demographics didn't pan out, you know. We weren't holding New York, or you know, so to speak. And they said the show was too country. And I said, well, which country? <laughs> I think that might have upset them a little. They sit there for such a long time that they can degrade. The powder itself can degrade. The fire mechanisms could degrade. And they become uh, kind of sensitive. Okay. We'll just move on from Mr. Glenn Campbell. All right. That's like that Dean Martin variety show. Have you watched the Dean Martin variety show lately? No, I haven't. That's uh, I? I think it's out on DVD. It's on, there's some clips of it on the Internet as well. I'm not saying it's bad. It's just sort of, it's just, for, you would think that back when there was only three networks and three channels, that they actually, the competition would have been high. You know, in other words, the quality would have been higher because you only had uh, what, People aren't going to get their lazy butts out of the chair and change the channel. I mean, there's something to pacify them. But I mean, if you're Betty, Betty and Barney six packers sitting right next to each other, <laughs> passing the snacks and the beer, watching the Glen Campbell good time hour, it doesn't have to be good. <laughs> What's this, Glen Campbell? Should we change it? I don't know. It's only on for an hour and a half. <laughs> where, are the, where are those chili cheese Pringles? Exactly. <laughs> I'm just saying. And those stations, especially when you consider that networks, it really is staggering. And it was in color. We were savages up until just recently in this country. That A, there was only three channels for the bulk of my childhood. B, that those stations signed off. Do stations even sign off anymore? I don't think so. They just go to infomercials. I've got the Ranker production. That's all they do. It, it, if anything, they just go to paid programming or what they call block programming at, at 1 or 2 a.m. But the stations don't sign I am old enough to remember, and I bet I'm the only... Well, no, because you remember this. I do, and Sarah doesn't, though. You don't remember stations signing off with the national anthem, do you? No, I just remember it from Poltergeist. Oh, yeah, 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 that's right. That would never happen because stations never go to snow anymore. And the only time that happens is even my television now, if the cable goes out and everything goes out, it just goes to a blue screen. I don't think televisions are capable of getting snow. No, not unless you, uh, unless you take it off the air. You know what I was thinking about the other day, too? I can't remember the last time I heard a dial tone. Like an e. Yeah, like actually, I mean, we hear it on the well, phone. I mean, like picking up the phone because cell phones, no dial tone. I don't have a landline at home. I don't no think any phone. of us do. Uh, up in my office, like if I have to dial out on the desk phone in my office. It's silent, isn't it? Um, I don't know the answer to that, actually. I don't really know. I don't have a landline at my house. Scotty, do you have a landline at your home or are you all just a cell phone? Um... Okay. Can I just tell you this? The thing, sometimes this call screening software that I have up here, I have it minimized down to the bottom of the screen so I can access other things on my desktop. Mm-hmm. And Scotty is apparently just typing comments on the screen all day long. That you never for, read. For, that I never read. For long stretches of the program, I won't see them because I've got the screen minimized. Here's what he's typed about whatever. Drunk craziness, battering, and wife swapping. <laughs> That's just on the screen. I don't know what he was typing in response to. I don't know what From he yesterday was, show. What he was weighing it on. Okay, so you've got a so you have a landline just through the cable, you have that voice over IP of the, the VOIP. Now does that function just regular like a regular landline? You just pick it you pick it up and there's a dial tone. So if your landline if you pick up your landline at home, do you hear a plain old dial tone like uh, you know, like back in back in the day? You do. Okay. So he's the one. So that's all he's the only one really. Um 
But yeah, the dial tone, the te- the TV going to snow and just having like the white snow, you know, with the that doesn't happen at all anymore. It's a cold. It, it just like the sound of what about the Indian the Indian on on the skin with the test pattern. Woo! For about an hour before the station signs on. I also remember the Indian who made what noise, Tim? I do remember that they would show uh, this uh, the panoramic view to whatever extent there could be a panoramic view of Kennewick. There would be this <laughs> the Kennewick lights. There would be this shot like overlooking the beautiful city of Kennewick, Washington, and then they would scroll the bad like uh, you know done on a Vic 20 graphics of like you know. KSTW broadcasts from blah 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 5032 West you know Clearwater in in Kennewick Washington as licensed by the FCC with the wah, wah, wah. and then and then they would show a picture there you go that's the test pattern right there with an Indian in the middle of it uh, the other Whose thing, idea was it to put an Indian on there you know what they had switched to though by the time I was about twelve or thirteen when the television station signed off at night they would wouldn't show the Indian they showed uh, a still of the flag raising at Iwo Jima. Um, which is weird. Like, it's a strange thing to show when you're signing off a network. Hmm, that is. Um, and then they would play the national anthem, and then it would just go to... And it was all, And it's just such a strange... And that was not that long ago. That was just like a decade or so ago. To think that television networks used to just, like, turn off at night. That Snuffy the janitor would come in and, you know, click everything off, and the network was just off the air. Oh, RCA invented the Indian Head in 1939. Really? Yeah. Was the Indian... Was the theory that the Indians had come and taken taken over the studio, and that's why there was no programming being sent out? It was also used in Canada. It just doesn't make any sense at all. Mm-hmm. all right. I'm just saying that it's strange if you think back to, uh, you know, when there were only three television networks and everybody only had three channels, you would think that the quality would have been higher because if you were only on the air for 96 hours a week as a network, you'd want to make every one of those hours count. And yet the television programs were terrible. I mean, what are the golden... Let me ask you this, Tim. Thinking back to, I don't know, the 60s and the 70s, if I had to, if you had to, off the, off the top of your head, give a short list of truly quality programs, and not just quality because you view them through the lens of nostalgia, but truly high-quality, really worth-their-weight television programs, what would you say off the top of your head? I can't think of very many. That's what I'm saying. The television programs, all the way up until I would say... Well, they were mostly sitcoms and dramas that that people watch. All forgettable things. And it was all terrible. As we were talking about that caveman show earlier, it was all variations on My Mother the Car. Nothing just sticks to the brain, really. Well, that's where it's supposed to be. I mean, I sort of have a fondness. I think uh, a show like The Twilight Zone, that was a quality program. I'd say The Twilight Zone still holds up. Mm -hmm. Um, But a lot of those, and I know that this is just sacrilege, but I mean, like you watch that original Star Trek... Boy, original Star Trek is just a terrible program, and well, I'm not. Well, I, it was one of the first color programs, and you can, you can tell now, but but you didn't think about it then. They were wandering around some cheap sets. Oh yeah, no, that's what I mean. And look, and I got to qualify that statement before I get lynched by the geek mob. But I I do appreciate the, the fact. Rock <laughs> the same rock over and over. Mm-hmm. I do appreciate the fact that Star Trek was. I don't know if it was the first science fiction television series of an ongoing nature it may have been i don't really know i do appreciate the fact that it it sort of thought big you know they swung big on star trek sometimes they they, they, it, they it was too intelligent for the american audience they and had that's a, why it wasn't renewed yeah they had ambition i'll give you that the, the, you know star trek it was a great idea and you know that the, the first version of any kind of art form star trek and this is the only time you will ever hear this analogy made star trek is sort of like um 
Star Trek is sort of like the first LO Cool J record. In that you go back and you listen, I, I did that riff last week where I was talking about classic hip-hop, like really old-school hip-hop, like the stuff that's, you know, like the, the, the rapper's delight and all that stuff. If you go back and listen to really early old-school hip-hop, most of it is just awful. It just doesn't hold. You you think it's good because you enjoyed it then, but you go back and you try to listen to it, and it's just tedious. Kind of, they had the sort of germ of the idea, but they didn't really have the depth of imagination or the production budget or values to pull it. They didn't have the production values to pull it off. Um, Scotty just named Rapper's Delight is crap if you really listen to it. It's, it's true. But, but it was sort of, it seemed great at the time because it was sort of taking things in a different direction. It was, it was sort of breaking new ground until it seemed great. So it is, I think, with the original Star Trek. If you go back and watch it now, really the writing is obvious, the acting is terrible, the directing is dime store, the sets are beyond... I mean, the sets are like sub-wide. <laughs> I mean, it's like not even... Take two steps and they're on the screen. It's, it's, not even, it's not even like fifth grade drama class level stuff. I mean, it's just bad. I like I've, the triples, though. I've, I have seen Captain Kirk's chair. Captain Kirk's chair. I've seen it, too. It's made out of plywood. <laughs> it's made out of plywood and like cheap plastic riveting. It's just awful. And I do, I, I do believe that the little tricorder, taser, communicator, I think those were all made of wood. I'm pretty sure that the, the, the phaser that they set to stuff was made out of was made out of wood. I mean, but you watched it at the time, I guess, and you just kind of went, "This is really amazing programming." I I can't believe what I am seeing here. Yeah, but the blues are blue and the greens are green, and that's when people started getting color TVs. So you didn't have to use that gel layover on yeah. your screen that had like the blue at the top and the green at the bottom, which is a thing they sold to transform your black and white television into a color TV. And it would have, it was a gel that you would put on the, the, the screen of your TV, and it was blue at the top, green at the bottom, and beige in the middle. So it really only worked if you were watching the Masters Tournament. By the way, you're listening to KCMD Portland. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Hey. Hey. A um, couple things regarding television. I remember early 70s, there was a cartoon-type show. or It was a cartoon, but it was, it was, um, it was called Wait Till Your Father Gets Home. And I remember thinking this was, as a kid, I was like, man, this is really cool. And I saw it maybe a year or so ago. It was on Nickelodeon or TV Land. And I watched this thing. I thought, what crap yeah. is this? And you sort of wonder, like, it doesn't even seem possible uh, that it's actually the same program you watched growing up. Exactly. It's like, okay, they must have really put a bad program on today. Next week will be better. Animation is the worst thing for that. Animation dates so poorly. Uh, a lot of times a... A, a uh, live-action program, and again, I go back to, to the Twilight Zone, which certainly had great writing going for it if it didn't always have great production values. Twilight Zone still holds up, and there's some of those uh, some of those other drops. Like, as corny as they are, like Perry Mason kind of holds up because it sort of has that still-to-delivery of a film noir. Well, and, there, and there's some cop shows from the, the late 60s, early 70s, which... As corny as they are with the acting and, and the fight scenes and stuff like that. Dragnet. Dragnet. I was just going to say, People, Dragnet Human is, beings do not speak like that. Dragnet no, is exactly. so badass. But you know why Dragnet holds up? Because I, and I, don't, I wasn't alive really. Uh, I, was, I was really, really young when they were kind of in the last stages of Dragnet. But I suspect that Dragnet seemed the corny and fake-ass television even then. I think when it was brand new, Dragnet seemed probably fake. You think not just Dragnet, but the, there was the, uh, the FBI show show with Ephraim Zimbalist Jr. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Good reference. Who mentions Ephraim Zimbalist Jr.? Excellent. Uh, no, no, it's it's true. Thank you, sir. I appreciate it. No, Dragnet is just so unbelievably wooden. 
And you know why that is? It's because Jack Webb is reading all of his lines off of a cue card. Yeah. It's because Jack Webb didn't memorize uh, anything. And so as a result, he would just, he'd have to read everything off the screen. I'm trying to see if there's, um, I'm looking for a dragnet clip uh, right here. Let's see here. Oh, wait, here we go. I think, let's see if this will play. YouTube has been giving us a little bit of a uh, little bit of glitchiness lately. So let's let's see if this will play. I'm going to let this buffer here for a second. Uh, did you know if you go to the LAPD, the, the, the main headquarters for the LAPD, um, they have Jack Webb's the badge cast in lucite hanging over the entrance when you walk in. It's a little creepy, actually, if you walk in and there's Jack Webb. And I do believe on the shield, I do believe that Detective Vic Mackey on the shield um, actually wears badge 714, which is uh, Joe Friday's badge from Dragnet. I'm pretty sure that that's the case. Let's see if I can get this to... Uh... In other words, you're a college man. She'd like to have seen you land a job with a little more status attached. Is that it? I guess that's part of it. Oh, this is this is a guy who's clearly chosen. You can I don't even know this episode, but you can tell it's a guy who's chosen to become a cop, and his beloved is unhappy with his career choice. But not all of it. I think maybe I can understand how she feels. And maybe she's right, Culver. It's awkward having a policeman around the house. You know what Jack Webb sounds like? He sounds like one of those guys that's had his larynx removed because he smoked too long and he has to talk to the little thing that, oh, God, the pain. It, it sounds like what's-his-name on South Park with the little voice box thing. Friends drop in. A man with a badge answers the door. The temperature drops 20 degrees. You throw a party and a badge gets in the way. All of a sudden, there isn't a straight man in the crowd. Everybody's a comedian. Don't drink too much, somebody says, and the man with a badge will ring you in. Or how's it going, Dick Tracy? How many jaywalkers did you pinch today? And then there's always the one who wants to know how many apples you stole. All at once, you lost your first name. You're a cop, a flatfoot, a bull, a dick, John Law. You're the fuzz, the heat, your poison, your trouble, your bad news. <laughs> that's the best thing I've ever heard. Oh, that's our end of show clip right there. Let's see if I can back up and uh, just hear that section again. And then there's always the one who wants to know how many apples you Harry stole. Harry Morgan's in the background. All at once, you lost your first name. You're a cop, a flatfoot, a bull, a dick, John Law. You're the fuzz, the heat, your poison, your trouble, your bad news. They call you everything. But never a policeman. Yeah. All right, there you go. There's... Makes you want to join up. Yeah, it really does. It makes me want to go beat an unarmed suspect right now. Fantastic. Let's go tase someone. <laughs> okay. While we're talking about that, did we miss some, by we I mean Sarah and I, did we miss some colossal tasing story while we were gone? There are tons of tasings every day. Was there? Plus, now the weapon of choice. Was there? Was there some particular tasing that happened while we were gone that was on film or that got caught on camera somewhere? Do you know what I'm talking about? Possibly, but I don't, I don't remember any particular one. Off I got a lot of email uh, during when I was on vacation and then Sarah was in New York. I got a lot of email that was like, hey, it's too bad you're not here to talk about the tasing guy. And, and, but, but, like, none of them provided a link. Like, no one said, hey, and by the way, you don't know what I'm talking about because you're in Scotland. Click on this link to figure it out. Hmm. Apparently there was some tasing story or some tasing incident mm -hmm. that was caught on film. That, like no one clued me in on, but I guess it happened while we were gone. Is there some story? Everybody, one of those. This is perfect for you. Too bad you're not here to talk about it. And the, but they never told us what it was. So maybe right. there were so many. I mean, everyone gets their 15 seconds of pain from tasing. Maybe. All right. Uh, while <laughs> while we're uh, while we're doing that, I got to close the. Uh, I have to close the Joe Friday uh, thing here, uh, so we can uh, do this. Without further ado, let's. Uh, <laughs> I wish I knew how to quit you. Please, I kiss you on the mouth. Please let me. Good morning, Metolius. Welcome out of the Rick Emerson Show, our intrepid PA, Scotty J. Hello, Scotty J. Well, hello, Rick, Sarah. 
How are you doing? How's it going? Hi, Scotty. Hi, Scotty. Um, Okay, so at about 10.59 today, you ran screaming into the studio demanding that you give us the background on George Bush's hatred of children. And this before the show had even started. And we were busy doing other th- preparing for this, uh, what do you call it, this radio show that we do every day. Right. So what is your, what's your beef? What's your boggle? The heat, the fuzz, the man, the dick? Well, hang on a half second. Oh, I'm sorry. I, uh, what? Is he just leaving? <laughs> I don't know what just happened. Okay, you're not allowed to bring in notes. You are not allowed to bring notes. You're not allowed to use notes for this. <laughs> you caught me by surprise. Tim? Take Scotty's notes away. No, no, no. You are not allowed to use notes. If you believe in something that firmly, you don't need notes. I have some good stuff written. No, no. It's very good. You'll love it. You're not allowed to use notes for this. I have to. You don't. You are not allowed. (laughs) Then my point won't be clear. Then you must leave the room. You may speak. You may defend this only if you do not look at your notes. Okay, I looked at them. Then you have to leave. Okay. Okay. No. No, I'm not going to. I mean, he already looked at them, so now we can take them away. I am not going to. Okay, face down. He doesn't need them now. Put them face down. Throw them away. And do not reference anything that you read. I, well, no, these are your opinions, not the opinions of something you saw on the internet. Well, it's not just the internet. It's these news. are not these are not these are not uh, things that you cut and pasted and memorized. He wrote questions that he's going to ask you as a rebuttal. I'm not going to give away. Go ahead. Right. So anyway, so you wanted you did want to make some and keep in mind by the way that we don't really care about politics except as an object of ridicule and scorn. But you were all you were all angry about something. This Not morning. really. I've been more angry at other things. All right. Before. So this what was, is, this what really was the observation you wanted to make about George Bush? The only thing I wanted to say is that he was going to approve. On, let me just. He was going to approve this uh, child care, health care deal. Uh huh. This deal or increase rather, up to twenty billion dollars, and they chose to submit for thirty-five billion. He said no, but. The Democrats are making this into a big, oh, man, he hates the children. Don't vote for him. Vote for the Democrats. That's all it is. Is that, is that it's, really it's the truth? Did yes, you I, write this? Yeah, look what I wrote over you there. You wrote this entire thing? Yeah. It's riddled with snake oil and grease on the Democratic side. Oh, my God. What is you true? Wrote that? You wrote You are a bad person. Let's stop. Understand. Well, it's too bad I understand. can't reference okay. any of it. Well, okay. Let's stop. Understand. I write it. I, I like Everyone stop talking right now. Okay. Everyone who's not named Rick Emerson, be quiet. So Scotty came in with some notes, and usually what that means is it's just crap that he's printed out from Wikipedia. Correct. So what did Scotty bring in, sir? He brought in a big, like a bunch of paragraphs. How much of this is your own writing, Scotty, of these two pages? There's only like sentences that are my own. Other things are just thoughts of people that share the same exact. These are off of message boards. You have cut and pasted things of off of message boards. And also, uh, you know, reading the actual uh, bill and that type of stuff. Did you spend a lot of time reading the actual bill? No. <laughs> because you're, I frankly really don't care about it either. You're a congressperson. I really don't care about this either. You, you as really, much as others do, and you, nor should you care about you it. You ought to be in Congress, actually, with this. You don't, you don't have children, number one, so no. what do you care? Well, I, I care because... Well, that was the question he wrote down. Mm-hmm. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> are you, are you but, actually but, no, asking me? No, I'm not really asking you. It's just, it's just like you shouldn't care any more than I should care about this. Well, I, that's like saying I, I shouldn't care about the war because I'm not in Iraq. But the, well... Do you care about the war in Iraq? I care about I care about the fact that people we know and people we don't know are being sent there, and that they're taking my tax money mm-hmm. to do so. 
And are the children being neglected here in the United States to a point where they can't get health care if they're sick? They just they flat out can't go to the hospital. Yeah, they're actually 40 million people. Uh, oh, the so bulk of them, children, by the way, are uninsured, totally and completely. Okay, uninsured. so they just flat out need to die. They can't go to the hospital and be taken care of, right? That's, that's yours. By the way, that's Scotty no, J no, saying I'm that. By the way, I'm asking you, is that what you're saying? That, that is. That's how our country is. That they flat out will die. These 40 million people are gonna die like tomorrow or the next day there because are... we are closing the door at our hospitals. We will not accept. Them. Is that correct? Yes. Yes, it is. Not correct. No, it is true, Scotty. There are people. No, it is true. There are people dying of there, cancer. Because... There are people. There are people kicked out of hospitals every day in this country. And I would invite you to ask my wife about that, by the way, if you don't believe me. There are people kicked out of hospitals every single day in this country because they can't pay for it. That's just a fact. Well, also, by the way, I would point this out that medical bills one cannot pay are the single largest cause of bankruptcy in this country. They are the single largest cause of poor credit in this country. They are the single largest cause of eviction in this country. Mm -hmm. Well, a lot of these medical bills uh, are paid for by the Medicaid and the uh, Children's Health Care uh -huh. program. All right. I'm simply, program. I'm simply pointing out, and again, I'm just making this as a mathematical observation. That the idea that, because uh, I think the claim was that we didn't have $7 billion a year for this medical program. That wasn't the claim. No. That's the, the Democrats saying. Yeah, well, I'm saying that the, 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 what they proposed is $7 billion a year. Over, you know, it's $50 billion over, no, I think, seven they years. They proposed $35 billion, and Bush said... Yes, over seven years. Okay. So, it's like, it comes out to about $7 billion a year. I would point out that the war is currently at $190 billion. Mm -hmm. So He didn't veto it via via the money mainly. He vetoed it because it's riddled with all kinds of, of with democratic things, agenda. With stuff. Above and beyond the, the children. And then they want to put the children card out there and, and make him look like he hates the children. Well, he's had children of his own. He's met many a poor child in the country. He's gone has to he? schools. Yes, he has. Where? I want names. Well, remember when the when the World Trade Center was hit? He was sitting right in front of us. I would, by kids. the way, I would also point out that George Bush's health care is paid for by the citizens. That's we, in fact, pay George Bush's health care. Well, he has a job that comes with health care as one yes. of the benefits. How lucky for him. He is lucky. Yes, yes, he is. Can I read a passage from this? Would you please? See, I didn't necessarily write it all. You well, keep that in mind. this one starts personally. Okay. Go ahead. Personally, I work hard to take care of my own kids. I don't need any more taxes to take care of all the others whom have made poor choices in their life and continue to make poor choices and live poorly. How dare you be born to poor parents? 20 years of outrageous doctor's bills and shoddy health That's insurance. That's not me. Well, how come it says personally? That, that was here. from a quote for, that I was going to... Blame uh, it on George Bush. He's a moron. But you know what? Look at the stats. Who has the out-of-wedlock babies? Not baby. And that's because that they can't afford. Yeah, I didn't write that. Who overwhelmingly continue to smoke and abuse alcohol and drugs? The poor... Which group doesn't practice birth control, although it's been preached to them and is readily available, yet cannot feed or clothe their children, let alone pay for insurance? The poor. Yet they just keep having more, and their kids do the same, and their kids, and so on. Stop blaming Bush for people's inability to make appropriate decisions in their lives. Correct. Okay, I wait, I no, thought, this, no, I thought I did, you I did, didn't agree I did, with this. I didn't write that, but I share some of the values that this person is writing about. That's a woman who wrote that, by the way. It's one of the giving women. All right, so so anyways, so what did you? you what I'm not you really all up in arms say? over this. No, you thing? actually ran into the studio before the show even began because I wanted to. I wanted to. to, to um, I wanted to give you a little behind the scenes advice not to step into the trap as other media and other radio programs have on uh, the Democratic yeah. side uh -huh. and take a look at really what happened this morning and that is he said I will increase up to a certain amount if you go above that forget it and they did it anyways and then he so he vetoed it 
He vetoed he it. He vetoed it. Well, so, Scotty, I mean, a lot of this bill, though, like some people don't start out as poor when they have kids. Well, and what as, if something as, happens? Like, in fact, unemployment I, so rampant. As I said, the, the single largest cause of uh, poor credit and bankruptcy in this country is medical bills that people can't pay because they're uninsured. Right, and that's where Medicaid steps in. <laughs> when it's not being vetoed. And now we've come full circle. And, you're, and you can get Medicaid if you make under $30,000 a year as a family. I will say this, though. I will say that any reading of the Declaration of Independence mandates that the government is responsible for protecting the general welfare of its citizens. And I'll say that this one year, in this one year, in one calendar year, in half of one calendar year, uh, cancer and heart disease will kill more people than terrorists have killed in America in the last 10. So it's the government that needs to find a cure for that right I, away. I'm saying the government is there to preserve the general welfare. And how come back then when the Declaration of Independence was written, they couldn't uh, you know, stop smallpox or whatever disease that was going around in that They in, did in that stop time. smallpox. <laughs> <laughs> Not back then. There was a disease going around, I imagine. Don't know what disease it was, but during the Declaration of what Independence... What are you talking about? When the Declaration of Independence was written there Which was, was probably when? a scornful disease what 1776 okay and and there was probably some disease riddling the country and the trees and the oaks and the in the forest out there where pilgrims lived or whatever the hell they did jesus christ and the government are we really you know am i really listening did that mean that they need to come up with a health care plan right there and then for that no when, That's when they wrote everyone this, died by the time they were four years later when they wrote this <laughs> You have no idea what you're talking about, do you? I do have an idea. A big idea. <laughs> Scotty J's Here's big idea, deal. ladies and gentlemen. No, we're we're done. This is I can feel this making me dumber the longest we have the longer we have this talk. Let's okay, go. I just want to make one show. quick point. And when they wrote the Declaration of Independence, it didn't have to it had to do with uh protecting us from invaders of the country, not Why do you not child like, care uh, you know, viruses. Child care and viruses that children get, or whatever. Okay? I can't believe that you're the one against this, and you're the only one on the show that has children. And I because can't... I think it's a crock of crap, and you should join my little boat here, Rick, because you don't have kids. So why would you want to add more taxes? It doesn't make sense. I should join your boat because of the child care viruses. No, no. Let's, let's step back a second. Now the show makes absolutely no sense. <laughs> Do you realize there are people who are tuning in that think that this is some sort of English as a second language program? It is, actually. All right. But Please dispel riddling. R-I-D-D-L-I-N-G. Well done. Okay, what is your point? But my point is you don't have children, therefore why would you want to increase your taxes? Bottom well, line. It's not, it's it's not a question of that. It's a question of my taxes are going to be increased, period, as they were for the war. And so you're just going to accept that? I don't accept it. Is this one of really? those? Are you going to be a tax resistor? <laughs> yes. Is this one of those HG, go well you. Uh, radio stations that people are talking about Seriously. buying a five hundred dollar receiver? Phone? Yeah, you have to go away now. Okay. All right, there you go, Scotty J, ladies and gentlemen. Just makes my head hurt. All right. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson show. Hello. Hey, Rick. I have your uh, YouTube keyword search for the tasing. Oh, for the tasing kid. Excellent. Okay, this phrase. Don't tase me, bro. Don't tase me, bro. And so now, yes. what is the background? What is the background, background on this clip that we're going to hear? The deal is that John Kerry was giving a speech, I think at a college, but, you know, doing Q&A. Uh, some smartass threw out a dumb question and then refused to sit back down, start violently resisting the police officers who were trying to uh, drag him out. Oh, you were here And it finally comes down to after they've been trying to drag him out for two minutes, he sees them walking over with the taser, and he announces, Hey, don't tase me, bro! And then, and they, then, and then they just tase him? 
and then they tase him. Okay, fantastically. Hold on, uh, hold on. Fantastic. Oh, yeah, that was the popular uh, story for like a day. Okay, see, that's what I was asking about, though, and I didn't know. Now, I let's, remember if you were I hope this is clean. Um, I'm. Uh, there are some words that might not be. Really? Yeah. Oh, damn. Damn. Darn it. Well, so we're going to have to watch it during the break, then. I guess. We'll have to watch it during the break and see if it's uh, see if it's clean. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Oh, Rick, Rick, Rick. Well, WTF. 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 Why, why did it, see, why did I even bring him in? Why did I? And realize that, It is very frustrating. The thing is that Scotty J actually makes me care about things I don't even really care about all that much. Just so, because I feel like I have to stem the tide of linguistic inanity. Get in his boat because of the child care viruses. I, I'm terrified on more levels than I can contemplate. Yeah. And I work in public health, and I am a linguist, and I'm terrified on both levels. Yeah, all right. Mm. Scotty, is, Scotty is insisting that we're twisting what he's saying. All right. Oh, that is not true. I know. All right. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Hi. Yeah, two quick points. One, um, public health is there because um, if somebody's kids are too poor to get inoculated, your kids could go out in public and actually catch things like TB and stuff. It's one of those things you can't isolate yourself away from. Well, yeah, I mean, unless you want your kids your to live in a, will get headlights. a bubble floating well, out yeah. of space. And also, let's be honest, I mean, you know what, if, if you don't pay for health care for kids, I'm going to end up paying for their sick asses later on anyway. So it's pay now or pay later. Well, not only that, but like back in the 80s, I remember I was living in Orange County, and they had this some property tax initiative or something like that. It was the first of the really big ones to sweep through. And nobody wanted, and, you know, however you support your schools, whatever, you know, that's a, that's a good debate. But their whole idea was uh, they were saying that uh, why should we pay, you retirees, why should we pay for the schooling? You know, we don't have any kids. We don't have any kids in school. And I remember some guy said that to me one day in a convenience store. He's like 60-something. And I looked at him and I said, who paid to put you through school? And he just shut up. Because right. it was just like everybody, we, you have to pay for the next generation. Well, especially, I mean, and I won't How point the out that. the economy going to limp along? And I won't point out, by there. the way, that even though he paid part of it, Scotty went to a community college, which is uh, to a large degree taxpayer funded. So I'm sure. sure we should ask him to write a check to Mount Hood. We should ask Scotty to give back to Mount Hood the <laughs> amount of his schooling that was publicly funded. I'm going to call anyway. Mount Hood and find out how much of that was paid for by tax dollars. We'll ask Scotty to give it back. Anyway, and, and how strange is it that Scotty, of all people, drags us into a, a serious discussion about, about anything on yeah. this show? Uh, it's, I, it's all I about know. frivolity. You know? I know. It's like watching an ape try to drive a car. Uh, hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Hey, what's going on, you guys? This is Bobby Terrell. Hey. Bobby Terrell. Hey. hey, how you guys doing? Um, I just want to say Swiss cheese. I'm sorry? Swiss cheese. Just That's be- how many holes. Scotty's like, his whole story, rebuttal, everything was... So full of holes, it was completely the ridiculous. Best, the best part was when he he at one point revealed that the pilgrims were dying of tree diseases. I don't know. That was wonderful. <laughs> what, what, what tree disease was that? I don't really know. But somebody has typed and said, Rick, did Scotty J just see people say that people get the same diseases as, quote, trees and such? I didn't really think it was possible, but now that you mention it, this thing on my foot could be root rot. I have to get to the doctor. All right. Oh, beautiful. You know, uh, and also another thing is too is that Scotty mentioned earlier on that you know the the reason why he that uh, President Bush vetoed it was because they it went from like what what was it twenty million to thirty five or excuse me twenty billion thirty five billion and he's like oh you know that that's the reason why he did it. Then later on in the show, like a couple minutes later, he said oh the, it was another reason why he did it. And it's just uh, he needs to get his facts straight. So no offense to Scott. Well, yeah, a lot of offense to Scotty. Or figure out right. which message board comments he's going to recite at his own. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. You know what you should uh, every every time that you catch 
Scotty, like, uh, mess up or in a lie. You should, you should have a, a sound bite from, what is that, The Princess Bride, where, where I forget the lady, but she, she's like, she comes out, she's like, liar! Oh, liar! yeah. The, uh, mm-hmm. I've also got something from Uncle Buck I've been saving. Thank you, sir. Bobby sure. Trell, ladies and gentlemen. All right. We'll get more of these calls in a, in a skosh. Let's uh, welcome now to the Rick Emerson Show from Los Angeles, CNN Radio correspondent to the stars, James Roof. Hello, sir. How are you, my friend? Good afternoon. Uh, it's been a bit of a day already on this end. We had the greatest moment early on um, where uh, today is Lisa Goddard's last day before she gets married. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, and so I had this whole intro because she's using this Beatles song as their first dance and the, you know, whatever. So I had this. Really? Which one? Uh, Here Comes the Sun. Really? Yeah. Are you, do you, are, you, are you disapproving? Hey, it's her wedding. <laughs> so I had this whole thing set up where I was going to bring Lisa on with um, uh, with the Beatles, Here Comes the Sun. And I have it all, I mean, I have it ready, and Scotty tracked down the song, and I, I played it, and I gave this big, flowery, very sweet introduction. And I bring her on, and it's Ed McCarthy doing a Lisa Goddard voice. <laughs> because apparently there was some sort of... There was some sort of confusion. Uh, and so Ed McCarthy called. He's sitting on hold. He hears me introducing Lisa Goddard. And so Ed McCarthy just comes on going, uh, Hello, Rick. I'm glad to be on today. And i got to tell you, that will bend your brain in about nine different ways. I love Ed. Yeah, he re- I do too. But, I mean, for a minute there, it really was like I was talking to one of the Monty Python you know, guys just wearing a bad wig. You know what I mean? So, in any event. All right. So, uh, I am now legally required to ask you this. What is up with Britney Spears? Because the, the deadline well, the, for the kids the, came and went. Well, the hearing is supposed to start uh, in the next minute here or so. So the uh, hearing is just now beginning. Now, is she present for that? No. All right. No, neither is uh, Federline. It's a closed-door thing. Uh, lawyers are, you know, who knows what's going on. I, I think because the uh, the transition has already taken place, um, we did get that confirmed. And um, now I think it's just a matter of it becoming formalized. Um, now, saying, okay, it's official. And then I'm sure the, the lawyers are saying, okay, what, what does she have to do now to convince the court that she's trying to become a, a better citizen, a better mother, uh, a better human being, uh, other than just apply for a California driver's license? And, and it's going to be a real long road. But, well, because once he has the kids, I mean, that's you know, that's the thing. He has the kids, which means it's going to be much harder uh, for her to get him back now because they're, they're already, they're with him. That depends on how good of a parent he is. And apparently he's doing pretty well by sheltering the kids from the paparazzi, from the press, uh, by getting the grandparents involved, uh, her parents involved. So apparently he's doing pretty well, according to the people I've been talking with around the, the courthouse here. Uh, and, and if he continues to do that, then the judge may say, all right, Miss Spears, you just take your time and get yourself well, and we'll talk about this later. So, uh, what is uh, so? Is this a thing that's going to get dragged out over over several weeks? And we already heard. Have you heard some report that she's checked herself again into rehab? I've not heard that. All right. So, I'm unclear about whether she might be. She might now be in rehab again. She should, and it, and it can't be a resort rehab. It's got to be a real one where they can't leave or make phone calls or scratch themselves without asking. I mean, it's got to be a real boot camp type of a. Uh, of a of a rehab center that really cleans these people out and then keeps them there until they know they're clean. Not right. when they say, "I'm ready to go now." Well, this is because I think she was in it for what? She was in it for 24 hours or something last time. Yeah, it was. It wasn't even a real one. 
Yeah, it was well. It was that. Uh, it was that one that Eric Clapton promises. ran in the in the in the Caribbean or whatever. Oh yeah, yeah, it was that one. Yeah. Yeah. So she was there for I think less than one day. She's been in and out of a few. I mean, they they have a revolving door in those things. Yeah. Hey, do you let me ask you on a completely separate and unrelated topic? Do you know something about this? Uh, some kid that got tased during a John Kerry convention last week. Yeah. Now what? We, we were gone, of course. Sarah was gone, I was gone. So Tim and Scotty were kind of holding down the fort. Um, I got all of these emails about it, and then I realized today that we never really did talk about it. So well, I'm going to have to I'm going to have to look at it. Well, from what I understand, I mean, I wasn't on that story, but from what I understand, um, this kid sort of bullied his way to the microphone, and then started in on John Kerry. They asked him, you know, to relax and and cut it out and all that kind of stuff and he just continued to to badger and and uh and really get out of control. Right. And at some point they had to stop him and he wouldn't be stopped, so they had to take other action. <laughs> and so does the the kid apparently at one point uses the phrase don't tase me, bro. That's I think the money line that the uh you know that the yeah, I kid think I uses. did hear that. All right. So we're trying to, it was taped. We're trying to see that's it's on YouTube but apparently it's rife with profanity. So we're oh, trying yeah, to is. um Yeah, you got it. You got it. But listen to it. It's pretty funny. All right. We'll check it out. All right, my hey, friend. Bill Specter uh, uh the the uh, October 23rd the judge is going to set a new trial date. And so so when is he going to set the trial date? October 23rd. So on Inspector wants new lawyers. So this is sort of like the doomsday clock of criminal trials, where they just keep resetting it every now and again. Yeah, but the judge seemed pretty ticked off. He said, you know, Specter wants new attorneys. Uh, the judge says, fine, but have that new lead attorney in this courtroom with Mr. Specter on the 23rd of October, where I will set a date. And, it, and he wants it to happen, like, within four months. He wants this trial to get underway. And that lawyer had better clear his calendar because he wants this trial done quickly. So the judge is... is is, is adhering to the law and giving Spectre his due and his right to change attorneys, but he's really putting the screws to him. Ah, all right. As it should be. So, so we've not only got uh, the Anna Nicole Smith lawsuit happening now, and OJ, and Brittany. Now again, this is like that uh, that time when we had Jackson and Brittany and uh, and, uh, and Saddam and everybody waiting trial all at once. Yeah, it's like Christmas has already come. Really? It's a good time to be us, my friend. <laughs> all right, Jim Rowe, thank you, sir. Thank you. All right, back after this with Tim Riley at the Ministry of Truth. Top five musical artists who die at the the age of 27, and later on, Peter Carlin from the Oregonian. You stay there. It's the Rick Emerson Radio Program. Rick Emerson Radio Program. It's 503-733-2970. What's great is I'm seeing a bunch of calls on hold, and the description just says, don't tase me, bro. Uh, we'll get Tim Riley here in just one moment. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Why, hello, sir. Hello? Hi. Hi. Hi, yes. Steve, I just wondered why you haven't done the obvious thing with Scotty. Running for president on the Republican ticket. Oh, I, I didn't know that this call would contain jives. Maybe. It's not jives. Scotty is, is George W.'s successor. <laughs> They're soulmates. They should yeah, just go make out love, somewhere If you together. like George W., you'll love Scotty J. Scotty, I will say that Scotty's more visually appealing than George Bush. He doesn't have that chimp thing going on. All right. I'm well, he could work on it. Yeah. All right. Thank you. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Hello. Hi. 
Hey, on the Dote Zebra thing? Yeah. Yes, sir. After, after you watch it, type in to YouTube, Can't Taze This. It's a mix of MC's Hammers, uh, Can't Touch This, uh -huh. and Don't Tase Me, Bro. Now, it's someone awesome. has sent me what they claim to be a, uh, this is, they say there are no words that the man disapproves of. This, I guess, is just How a long tasing. Because if you put it in queue, I can listen to it. 28 seconds. Okay, so let me listen to it. All right, I'm going to put this in queue. All right, I'm playing it now. And uh, Sarah is listening to this now. Now, I have not heard the clips. Sarah, is is it funny? <laughs> is it amusing? The look on Sarah's face indicates that this is all kinds of fun. This is the don't tase me, bro guy. It's got about uh, eight seconds left. All right, and uh, so forth. And there you go, and we're, we're done. So Sarah is screening it right now. Okay, how do we feel oh about it? Oh, my God. Is it funny? <laughs> It's disturbing. Is it a guy being tased? Now, do you get any of him given the lip, or is it just right to the tasing? Um, it, it starts with the tase. Well, I mean, it's like five, after five seconds of tasing, you can see somebody coming up and starting to... Do you uh, hear the don't tase me, bro? Yeah. Okay. There are longer I didn't do anything! Don't tase me, bro! Don't tase me! Bro. Don't tase me bro. Don't I can't do it! Ow! Okay, that's... That, that, don't tase me, bro. That's awful. <laughs> well, apparently he was causing a ruckus, though. And you know well, how I, he planned it that way. Yeah, I, I mean... Apparently he was trying to get some job at some zany program, but his his star fell quickly. I mean, it, it does seem like the sort of thing that I haven't watched the entire clip, but from every media uh, account of this that I read during the break, apparently that was his whole plan, was to yeah. go there and to be tased so he could be the don't tase me, bro guy. Mission that was accomplished. His plan? <laughs> I shouldn't laugh at that, but boy, goddamn, is that hilarious! Mm -hmm. Excellent. And so you're saying I should check out "Don't Tase Me" or uh, "Can't Tase This"? Can't tase this. It's amazing. All right. I always like it when the people can just do the uh, do the work for us. All right. Thank you, sir. And it is clean, so. All right. God bless you, my friend. You're doing the Lord's work. All right. Let's see here. Can't tase this. All right. I'm bringing bringing stuff right now, and then I swear to God, we'll go to the news. Let me just. Don't uh, tase me, bro. <laughs> Don't chase me, bro. Oh, come on. Don't chase me. <laughs> Don't chase me, bro. And then, of course, Hammer's on the screen like... In his, in his big ass genie pants. Don't tase me, bro. Don't tase me. I can watch this all day. I'm gonna post it on my blog right now. Don't tase me, bro. It's posted on my blog. Ow, ow, <laughs> ow, ow, <laughs> ow, ow. This is wonderful. You know, the show is taking sort of an unpleasant turn there for a while, what with Scotty talking and everything, and now we're back on track. That's genius. How about that? Well done. All right. Fantastic. 
Okay, it's posted on my blog if you want to go look. It's instantly posted. Yes. Thank you to that caller for pointing that out, by the way. Wonderful. Okay. That's the good stuff. It really is. That's technology being used. I mean, especially, and I read uh, just just during the break, I read a bunch of news stories about this. I went to um, you know, the Google News and searched it. And apparently, yeah, the guy, that was his whole, he, I don't know that he wanted to get on YouTube, but apparently his whole thing was, to, he was like the soy bomb guy. His yeah. thing was to go and to be beaten and get a ruckus started. To it, make it, it lasted for about a day. To make a media, everybody wants to be the new chocolate rain guy. So his whole thing was to cause a ruckus, and uh, that was accomplished. Well done. I forgot you guys missed that. Yeah. No, it's, you know, and I can't believe that nobody else pointed it out to us before then. All right, wonderful. Here's Tim Riley. National Weather Service has issued a snow advisory for northern Oregon and southern Washington Cascades. Cities affected include Government Camp, Detroit, Santiam Pass, and the Coldwater Ridge. In other news, four more men have been... I can't believe that people in the Mormons do bad things. I know, it's hard to believe. Four more men had sued against the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, otherwise known as the LDSs, or the Mormon Church, alleging child abuse at the hands of Timur Dykes. That brings the total to six. Dykes was a Sunday school teacher and an elder at the church and Boy Scout area. Jerry was a race car driver, and Dykes was a Sunday school teacher. Dykes was first convicted of child abuse in the 1980s and has been convicted several times. In February, two brothers filed suit against the Mormon church, claiming that the church knew several years about Dykes. Well, <laughs> I'm sorry, it's the cheapest laugh. It is. Uh, and a the, cheap joke. Really, the, the motto there, though, does seem to be that it's just easier to grow your own victims. That way you don't have to go trolling for them. I mean, it's really hard if you have to get a soundproof van and some duct tape and go actually, you know, find children. Mm-hmm. It's a lot easier just to grow them in your own home, and then they're right there whenever you want one. Well, make sure you get those vacation tickets to Detroit. Who want, wouldn't want to go because the new MGM Grand Casino, Detroit, is now open for your enjoyment. Really? Yes, local celebrities, including Kid Rock and noted uh, news anchorman Bill Bonds, were on hand to cut the ribbon for the MGM Grand Wait. Detroit. I don't understand this. Let's let's stop here. I don't know which is this a wing of the MGM that has opened in Detroit, or is this a thing in Vegas? This is a MGM simulating Grand? Detroit in Las Vegas. What would that be? Well, they have one. In, they have a New York, New York, right? Mm-hmm. Like if you go to Vegas, there's one that simulates Bunch of dead bodies and abandoned <laughs> auto factories. <laughs> Just a bunch of alcohol and sadness. Mm-hmm. In Las Vegas, they have one that's New York. They have one that's Paris. They have one that is Egypt. Mm-hmm. So I thought maybe they were opening some Detroit casino in Las Vegas. No, this is an MGM casino in Detroit. Can you gamble in Detroit? You can now. Well, when I was 400 years old, I said Detroit's never going to have a casino. Now that I'm 600 years old, what the hell? Anything can happen. Don't change me, bro. All right, here's Tim Riley. A former assistant to fame, boy band manager Lou Pearlman is accusing the music mogul of engaging in oh, inappropriate behavior I, with some of his artists. I read this story last night. He uh, groomed them for stardom. Yeah, and then, and then groomed them for molesting, allegedly. Um, the uh, I'm going to need to groom you. Please come in the back. Uh, the um, Let me brush your hair. <laughs> Would you like a pony? Uh, have you ever had a horsey ride? Now, here's the thing about Lou Pearlman. Lou Pearlman is the guy who created NSYNC. Mm. He created the Backstreet Boys. He then created O-Town on making the band. Um, and he's a huge man. I mean, it's yeah. not just his size and girth. He's a huge, unattractive man. He's, I mean, he's Jabba the Hutt. 
I mean, it made flesh. So if you, he's not just Jabba the Hutt. He's that guy in that one episode of Buffy the Vampire Slayer that was like the huge, bald, immensely fat man that lived in a hot tub who they electrocuted at the end. I forget the name of the guy, but he was Lord What's-His-Name, the big fat guy in Buffy the Vampire Slayer. That's what Lou Pearlman looks like. So Lou Pearlman created all these boy bands, and then New York Post reported yesterday... So this is not our allegation. This is Vanity Fair, as reported on page 6 of the New York uh, Post. They reported that Lou Pearlman had engaged in all kinds of icky uh, sexual activities with many members of various, uh, various boy bands. Mm -hmm. Well, uh, Nick Carter said he'd rather leave the past in the past. This is something that's been going on for years, um, talks and allegations in the past and it's really not something that's just like it's just it's kind of old news you now know they, what I mean so um you know really there's no comment they asked Aaron Carter's mom about this now Aaron correct me if I'm wrong Sarah Nick Carter was in the Backstreet Boys and Aaron Carter was, was the, the solo artist the young guy making little brother he was he was really obnoxious and he's the one he's that Hillary Duff and Lindsay Lohan hated each other because okay. he dated both of them now the New York Post I believe it was asked the, the, the Carter boys asked their mom Hey, what about these allegations that Lou Pearlman uh, preys on young boys? And how weird is this? The mom of Nick and Aaron Carter, they asked, um, they said, hey, what about this allegation about Lou Pearlman and him getting on with small children or trying to? And the Carter, the, the mom just said, I won't comment on it except to say that something bad almost destroyed our family. So how creepy is that? Also, the New, uh, New York Post reported that Lou Pearlman, and again, this is so much more horrific if you know what he looks like. They reported that Lou Pearlman, with an unnamed member of an unnamed boy band, at one point came into the guy's hotel room and was wearing only a towel and was then wrestling and rolling around on the bed with the kid. And then at one point the towel came, came off, but the wrestling continued. So it's just like the most off-putting thing in the history of everything. So there you go. Lou Pearlman, boy band impresario. Hmm. There's all kinds of stuff in this uh, page six article. Yeah. No, there's just all kinds of things happening today. What a crazy day. And it's almost 2 o'clock. So Pearlman is in the Florida jail awaiting trial on bank fraud charges. Prosecutors say he scammed more than 1,000 investors out of $315 million. Imagine that. All right. Uh, let's see. Rick, that don't tase me, bro, soundbite is even more satisfying when you imagine it's Dane Cook saying it. That guy sounds just like him. Really? Well, let's let's play it again. Let's play it again and find out, shall we? Hold on. Let me just. Uh... Don't take me. <laughs> Don't take me, bro. Ow! <laughs> ow, ow. Ow, ow. That's fantastic. I'm going to keep playing that all day I long. I know you will. I'm going to play that for the rest of the week. we got another two days. All right. Uh, well, let's... So, yes? So did you know that one of our friends is having um, drinks with Jerry Seinfeld right now? Is it Aaron? In Portland? Yeah. Yeah. He, was, he said that in the studio on this radio program that you work on. Oh, my gosh. Okay. I did not know that. Well, he's doing it right now. Yeah. I know. Where are they drinking? I uh, Well, I don't think they wanted it revealed because yeah. they didn't want to whatever. Yeah, no, Aaron, they were talking about it. It was Scott who mentioned it on Friday when he was here. And then Aaron, when he was here right before we went on vacation, had talked about it. Oh, well, that was like three weeks ago. How am I supposed to remember? And that? then also last week. Maybe they're all friends. I'm sorry, Sarah. I, it's not, I can't help it. You don't listen to the I show. This. Is there anything that you want to ask him? I'm having a martini right now with Jerry Seinfeld. Yes. What oh, do you right. ask? And I've been on a total Seinfeld kick lately. I watched two episodes this morning before work. 
I know. I no. It's uh, maybe because I was all annoyed about it. How like we couldn't even get Carrot Top to come into the show on time, and they're talking to Jerry Seinfeld. <sighs> yeah. Uh, let's do these, and then we'll announce the. Uh, we'll we'll take these calls, and then we will announce the winner of the uh, trip for two to Orlando, Florida, for the AST Do Tour. Then we'll break. We'll come back with Peter Carlin and more from Tim Riley. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Hey. Um. Did, did you have you heard that uh, they're thinking about changing Interstate Avenue? Uh, the name of Interstate Avenue to Cesar E. Chavez Cesar Boulevard? Cesar Chavez Boulevard, yes, sir. Okay. Uh, just I, They're having a big meeting about it tonight at uh, Ockley Green Middle School, and since it was kind of a political kick so far until, you know, you, you got the tasing guy. We back. got to the tasing thing. No, we talked about that a while back because they had, they had named What's It After Rosa Parks. Yeah, I live on that, that street. Yeah, so now, if you live on, now what was it before? Was it Interstate? No, it was uh, North Portland Boulevard. North Portland yeah. Boulevard. So now it's Rosa Parks Boulevard. Now, is it is it both names at once, or is it now? Are you only now supposed to use Rosa Parks? Um, it's both. It's both at once right now because there's Rosa Parks, uh, the green sign above the North Portland Boulevard right. sign. It's still that way. There's a whole bunch of signs that still say, you know, next light Interstate Avenue. Now, is it eventually going to become only uh, Rosa Parks Boulevard? Yeah. And yeah. How, how long is that going to take? Because I wonder about, like, GPS systems and maps and the post office and stuff, if they're just going to get confused about all that. Nope. Uh, last night I checked on uh, MapQuest trying to find my place somewhere, and it already says uh, Rosa Parks Way. Fantastic. Excellent. Well done. All right. Thank you, sir. No problem. All right. There you go. Uh, I'll just finish these out. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Hey, Rick. Scotty's on the screen, by the way, insisting that we ask Jerry Seinfeld what he thinks about health care. Uh, <laughs> hi. Still fighting oh. the fight. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Good transition. I was going to pile on Scotty there a little bit. Free, feel free. I was going to say, the, the, the first words in the Constitution are we the people. There's things that we as Americans sacrifice to, to, for the betterment of the whole country. That's communism. I Stop it. School. I don't have children, but I pay my taxes. Creeping. Well, and again, and I, and I'm, I, I really don't, we really don't talk about politics a lot. Uh, on this program, but I and I know Scotty is right now seething and thinking we were unduly harsh, but that's only because I want to hear Scotty's beliefs, not the beliefs that like he is that he is copied off of a web page somewhere. That's the only reason is because I just uh, I am curious to hear what he Scotty J thinks about it, not what like you know Blood Axe Twelve on some uh, message board wrote about it last night after too many Jack and Cokes. So. Anyway, uh, it's, it's it's really hard to be mean to Scotty when he's so nice. When you screen your call and you tell him you're gonna you're gonna pile on him. So yes, no, it's he takes one for the team every day. All yeah, right. I mean, that's the great thing about Scotty. Thank you. All right. Bye. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson show. Hello. Hi there. Hey. Hey, I was calling to maybe uh, defend Scotty a little bit. Go ahead, sir. Not really what he said because it was kind of ridiculous. <laughs> but okay. his point. Yes. What was? And yes. <laughs> My case is I have kids. I don't make a ton of money. I pay hundreds of dollars in health care premiums and I'm about $9,000 in debt with medical bills. So that said... The system works. <laughs> that said, what I, did, what I read that I didn't like about this thing that, that uh, was vetoed is that uh, they're going to let people with incomes up to $80,000 qualify. Well, I would first of all, that's kind of a it's kind of a disingenuous figure the way that they arrived at that eighty four thousand. But the larger point is, to me, and again, I don't want to get bogged down in a bunch of minutia. But the larger point is that nothing, no piece of legislation ever is perfect. And so, you know what? I'll take like any step forward because even if you factor that in, I mean, the fact of the matter is, we just take it in the shorts constantly. Um, 
having to pay for people who get to a terrible situation with their personal health care because they can't go to the doctor. So it's like you're going to pay now, you're going to pay you know later. You can either pay $7 billion a year for that, or you can pay $200 billion to be in Iraq. So, you know. And Scotty is noting on the screen that I will be the one paying for his kids. You know what? We're going to end up paying for your kids one way or the other. I'd rather do it early on uh, than wait until they're in the final stages of you know brain cancer. Fair enough. All right. Thank you. Yeah, okay, wait, hold on. Let me throw it over to Tim Riley, ladies and gentlemen, at the Ministry of Truth. Breaking news, daytime, dateline, Los Angeles. Kevin Federline has arrived at Los Angeles County Superior Courthouse for today's custody hearing. He is wearing a blue suit, white shirt, and a patch on his right eye, and he's wearing sunglasses. What? Once again, Kevin Federline has arrived at Los Angeles County Superior Court for today's custody hearing. He is wearing a blue suit. White shirt and a patch on his right eye, and he's wearing sunglasses. Why? No Brittany in sight. Uh, now, I, we talked to Rupa about this, but I was still never really clear about whether whether she had to be there or not. But, I mean, even if she doesn't have to be there, if he shows up and she doesn't, that's just another feather in that guy's cap. You know what I mean? It's, it's another it's another thing that just weighs the scale of justice towards ah, Kevin knows best. I mean, really. I mean, who... Whoever would have thought that, that we would be rooting for Kevin Featherline? I mean, seriously, hi, Andy, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hey, how you doing, guys? What's up? Hey, um, anytime Scotty comes in and starts spewing his uh, his beliefs, yes. can we tase him? I'd like to. I looked into getting one of those shock collars like you put on your uh, German Shepherd, but it was too expensive. Oh, that would be so great. Hey, um, and that guy that got tased, that don't tase me, bro, yeah. you know, he was held down by, like, seven cops and tased repeatedly. I mean, that was a little bit over the top as far as I'm concerned. Yes, but it gives us something to mock. Well, I guess that's true. But, you know, if you go around just tasing people because they're annoying and obnoxious, <laughs> would you have a show? No, probably not. But, I mean, for the time that I did have a show, we'd have, like, a 90 share. Really, I mean, for the for the five or six weeks that that show managed to stay on the air before they incarcerated all of us and we were sued into oblivion, that would be the best show you'd ever heard. Okay, make it so. Really, if I said to you, look, coming up tomorrow on the Rick Emerson Show, we go around all day and tase irritating people. Then the day after that, we go around all day and tase irritating people. Then the next day, just the street kids at Pioneer Courthouse Square. You would listen to that every day. And your word would spread like wildfire. That's what I'm saying, my friend. All right, one all right. more. Thank you. One more, and then we got a break uh, after we announce the winner of the AFC Do Tour, which I hold right in my hands. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Hello. Is this on screen? Did you talk to Scotty? Uh, no, I did not. Then, yes, you are here live hey, on the screen, what's sir. Going on? There's like ten different shades of what's going on. Holding but, uh, the fate of the station in your hands. Uh, I'm flying away soon. I was, I had like a couple requests. Like, I can bring mini bottles on the plane, as I heard from... Yes, uh, yes. you can. We did clarify that that was true, sir, yes. Wow, that's awesome. So, if you can play the DOA song for me. When is it you're flying away, my friend? Friday morning. All right, so uh, do me a favor. What time Friday morning? Uh, 10 a.m. Okay, so call us. Tomorrow is Thursday. Call us again tomorrow. What's your name? Jesse. Jesse. we got like one of a hundred Jessies in the audience. Call us again on uh, tomorrow and remind us about this, and we will play the Blood Rock song earlier. Well, yeah. Hey, do you think you can get me a radio show so I can complain how I can't get any Xanax for my flight? <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Thank you, Wiseacre. Thanks we, so we much. We do have some time open during the weekend. Yeah. Yes, we do. All right. All right, so do we have a drum roll over there? No. We have a rim shot. I don't think it really works. I don't think it's the same thing. Um, this kind of... No, it didn't. Oh. 
Left over from the staff. Hard know That's okay. Uh, all right. As you know, we are getting ready moments from now. We'll be giving away a trip for two to Orlando, Florida for the AST Do Tour. A trip for two to Orlando, Florida. Uh, the uh, Do Tour that happens are 17th to the 21st. Once there, you will be entered into a national contest that could possibly win a Toyota Tacoma truck or a Mastercraft boat or a Panasonic 50-inch plasma HDTV or many other prizes. Uh, brought to you by AM970 and Fox Sports Radio. Ladies and gentlemen, one glorious bastard about to be picked at random. For this trip for two to Orlando, Florida. And that glorious bastard is. Look at you, all Johnny on the spot. Oh, is that the end of it? That was it. <laughs> that... Dude, I found that in 10 seconds on YouTube. You can kiss my ass. Well, well, that... <laughs> that was enough excitement anyway. Ladies and gentlemen, Doug Malnati. Doug. Okay. <laughs> Doug. Malnati, ladies and gentlemen, the winner of the trip for two to Orlando, Florida. Doug Malnati, proud, glorious bastard. You are going to uh, the AST Do Tour, the Pro Action Sports Tour happening there, October 17th through the 21st to Orlando, Florida, where you'll be entered to win uh, one of many other uh, prizes. So congratulations, you glorious bastard. You, I'm going to play us into the break here. We'll take a break. Back after this, it is the Rick Emerson Show. Peter Carlin and more of Tim Riley around the corner. You stay there. Don't go anywhere. Don't chase me, bro. Emerson Radio Program. It's 503-733-2970. Don't forget, AM970 will be at Showcase Music and Sound at 3401 Southeast Hawthorne Boulevard today. Today, 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 from 5 to 7, your chance to see and play rock band uh, more than a month before its release. We'll be giving the game away as well. And, of course, Showcase Music and Sound's 30th anniversary sale is happening. All band instruments, recording, PA systems, keyboards, DJ systems, everything they have is on sale. And AM970 will be there tonight from 5 to 7 p.m., letting you see, play, and possibly win the rock band game, which doesn't even come out till, uh November 20th. So that is uh, today uh, from 5 to 7 at Showcase Music and Sound at 3400 Southeast Hawthorne Boulevard. Your chance to see and possibly win Rock Band, uh, as well as taking advantage of Showcase Music and Sound's 30th anniversary sale. So that's today. Don't miss it. Don't miss it. Are you going to go play Rock Band? Uh, I saw, actually, uh, they gave me like a a bitchin' Rock Band t-shirt, too, because there was a copy of it sort of floating around the building, although we can't, like, it's not going to be publicly released until November. So I did see it, yes. I didn't play it. I saw it, though, and it looked pretty badass. Because it's like Guitar Hero, but it's everything. It's bass, it's drums, and then uh, I think you can sing, actually, too, and it judges your pitch or whatever. Hi, you're on the uh, Rick Emerson Show. Hello. 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 <laughs> that was creepy. <laughs> creepy. Hi, what's up? Hey, Rick. Um, Hi. I think you just called my name. I'm sorry. Are you the uh, are you the winner of the uh, the thing? I am the uh, in theory the winner of the glorious bastard thing. Yeah. All right, hold on. Let me just. Uh, what was your name, sir? My name is Doug. 
Doug uh, Atlin, Gatlin. I don't have it on the screen in front of me. It would be a Malnati. A Malnati. Yeah, you, if you are indeed him, sir, then you have won a trip for two to Orlando, Florida for the AST Do Tour. C- congratulations, my friend. And uh, while you're there, you'll be entered in a contest uh, to win uh, potentially a Toyota truck, a 50-inch plasma HD TV, Matt Peterson style, or many other things. So that is all because you are a glorious bastard, yeah. me amigo. So well done. Congratulations. Thank you. Uh, do me a favor. Drop me an email address. Uh, and uh, just because uh, that way I want to email you back later after you've gone and find out how it was. Sweet. Thank you, sir. Congratulations, my friend. Yeah. All right, there you go. That is uh, Doug Malnati. That's was, awesome. Uh, going to see uh, the AST Do Tour in Orlando, Florida. So, fantastic. All right, it's 503-733-297. Oh, before we do anything else, let me just real quickly. I know you're, you're cringing. I wish I knew. No, it's about something else. You just got that look on your face. You've got that look on your face like you're just, uh, like I've said, I'm going to sit Well, because you didn't read that whole paper of stuff that he brought No, in. no, I did not. No, what I told it Scotty is, sad. and then we'll talk to Peter Carlin. We've got Tim coming up, trying to get to the top five. No, what I, to, to be fair, what I told uh, Scotty is that I do believe, now see, you've come in again clutching another piece of paper. Just not to read it, but to uh, go off of notes, because I can't, I, see, you know, with all the podcasting and all the here's what I told songs Scotty. I have in my head. What I, I told, what I told Scotty is that I think he sounds much better speaking, um sort of in an expository, extemporaneously. He sounds a lot better than he thinks he does, but he doesn't think he sounds very good, so he comes in clutching the big sheaf of notes, which he then... It's better to be spontaneous. I did that through school. And you know what? If I could just speak very plainly, you don't read off the page very well on the air, which is... And I'm I'm in the same boat. When you hear me read news stories, I stammer my way through every news story in front of me. When I, you know, I speak out loud and I do, I guess, a decent job, but if I try to read something off the page, I stammer my way through it. So I would say that you are kind of in the same boat. You function uh, poorly reading off the page, which is why we try to discourage you to. Plus, we're interested in what you have to say, Scotty. I'm sure so. you are. All right. So I will now give you an unfiltered 45 seconds to state your, your thoughts on the on the healthcare things. I thought not, you said it was going to be something different. It is, and then we're going to move on. So you cannot uh, accuse me of I don't uh, even need 45 of seconds. Muzzling. Go ahead. I just want to say that the bill is flawed, so the president vetoed it. The first thing is, just like the gentleman said that called in, uh, they're they're trying to make it so this is Hillary's way of bringing on, you know, health care for everyone in America like oh, she's Hillary. been trying to do. Uh-huh. Okay? They want universal health care. They've been trying to do this since Bastards. the Clintons were in. You know, and you can like it or not. I don't like it because I'm all for a different program, way different than maybe what you think about. You're for the, the bootstrap program. I'm for the strap your boots on, work hard, you'll get what you earn program. Okay. So, and that's, that's, so the children what, that's need a to Republican get to, way of thinking. So the children need to get to work. <laughs> My kids do, that's for sure. So but anyways, uh, no, if you're poor and you can't afford health care, we're already, we've got things in place. The, the, the problem with this bill and why it was vetoed uh-huh. is because they were, A, asking for more than he originally said he would approve, and so they knew he was going to veto it. I'll, I'll approve it for, I, if, I, if I understand this correctly, not looking at my notes, it was going to be $20 billion more no, that's, that's over the that's, seven years or something. That's wrong. That's wrong. Well, it's it, yeah, no, it's correct because it was going from okay. thirty-five to fifty billion. Okay, correct. No, it was I'm, going. I'm not. I don't. Yeah. Okay, ahead. here's what I understand it to be. It was the health care program was going to go from thirty-five billion a year or over so many years to. This is this is. I think I've spotted where you trip up to fifty billion. It's about facts and statistics. I think we yeah, found I, your Achilles I wish I had my cue card. Yes, I think we've. I in think we found the weak point in your extemporaneous speaking. In any it's case, numbers. There's, there's twenty billion too much. 
that they asked for. Something. Somewhere. 10 okay. to 20 billion. Right. Okay. By the way, uh, I do want to be uh, clear about this. Um, so, yes, you did pay, obviously, a lot of student tuition I uh, at Mount Hood Community College. Actually, actually, your tuition is partially subsidized by local property taxes. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to contact Mount Hood. I'll find out without uh, federal and state taxes and without taxpayer assistance how much your tuition would have been, and then I'm just going to have you cut a check to them for the difference. So in other words, yes. all the taxes I have paid towards that don't count either because I paid taxes while I went well, to school as, and paid for my as own did school. I. As did, in it. fact, maybe I'll have you make the check out to me. Okay. So I'm going to find fair. out exactly what your tuition uh, would have been had you not been partially subsidized by the government, and then we'll just have you pay the difference. But even with that government I know you're subsidizing, I, know. I paid for it. You did. No, no, no. You paid for some of it. So I'm going to find out what you didn't pay for because the government subsidized it, and we'll have you pay the rest. Morally, you would agree that that's the right thing for you to do. It is the right thing. Yes, it is, Rick. Excellent. Fantastic. Thank you. Okay. Sarah's a witness to that. Okay. All but right. I, Are we talking to Peter Carlin? Uh, we should be. So, okay. so I guess I'll call him again. Uh, I don't know who this is. So. Okay, that's fine. If you want to get a hold of Peter Carlin, thank you, Scotty. See, you speak pretty well without notes. You did good, Scotty. You did good. You, you done good. The, the reading thing is, I think, where you trip up. All right. Okay. If you can get a hold of Peter, that'd be fantastic. All right. Wonderful. He makes my head hurt. No, but you see, I didn't. I didn't want to be accused of just tripping it by asking him to spell things. I didn't. I thought that wouldn't I be fair. I think you let him. You know, you let him talk about his perspective on the topic more than any other perspective. Probably. Was discussed about. I'm, I'm just, you know, I don't want to be accused of being a, of, uh, you know, stepping in and stopping him from talking. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Who's this? Hey, this is Paul Rick. What's up? Hey, uh. Oh, no. No, I can, I can tell from the tone of voice, even unscreened, I can tell from the tone of voice you're about to drag us right back into health care, probably on Scotty's side. Am I right? Uh, well, kind of, yeah. yeah. Okay, yeah. How, can I spot him or what? Okay, go ahead. Well, one of the things it's the last call we're was, taking on this. Go ahead. Yeah, this bill that was just vetoed. Yeah. Well, part of the thing is, is the state writers in it, for instance, in Maryland, uh, you can make up to eighty thousand dollars and still get state assistance for health care. Well, I know. Yeah, I, one of the reasons why the the, the the whole bill was vetoed. Well, as I said earlier, you know, no bill is perfect, but I think most people would take a step forward at this point rather than doing nothing. Actually, you know, the best thing that could happen to health care oh, at this moment what? is to get government out of it. For yeah. instance, in the state of Oregon, to uh, buy a basic policy, uh, there are 47 writers on the policy. You're a libertarian. You're a libertarian, aren't you? Uh, yeah. Yeah, how do I know? All right, I'll let you get... Uh, I've been self-employed for 10 years. Shouldn't you be reading Ayn Rand right now? 10 years... No, I love your show. Okay. 10 years ago... <laughs> I paid roughly about $1,500 a year for a basic health policy. Now I pay about 300 to 450 yeah. a month, yeah. depending on what policy yeah. I have. That's yeah. why I scrapped it all. Yeah. I don't have health insurance now. Okay. Well, how? I just pay as I go. I have a health savings account. How wonderful for you. And a major medical policy with a $2,500 deductible. Anything over $2,500, they My pay for it. brain is turning into a flake-like material. Yes. Yeah. And you know what? You can have the same thing. You know, for the price you paid to go to Europe, you could probably just go to the doctor and get your Xanax for the flake. All right. Bye now. We're done. I don't mean disrespect, but we're seriously, we're so done. We're never talking. This is like that day we ended up talking about the Iranian president. We're never talking about this again. Ever. Wasn't a fun day, that one. Ever, ever. We're never discussing this again. We're going to put Scotty's children to work in a sweatshop right now. Because clearly it's the only way that Scotty will be happy. All right. It's uh, 503-733-2970. 503-733-2970. So, Scotty, do we, um, do we know the deal with Carlin? 
because I talked to him, I think, this morning. And we are going to be... Okay, all right. No, see, Scotty's insisting that I take more calls. That's not going to happen. It's just it's just no. not It's not going to happen. I appreciate that we... Scotty, understand how to move forward. Really, I thought this whole thing was going to be much more amusing than it was. It was only... I only thought it was going to be funny because Scotty, like... I don't see, but it's not... If you think about it, it isn't funny because it's healthcare, and that's something well, not a lot and, of people and just have. just because, like, so he comes in and he just becomes apoplectic with rage, mm-hmm. like, instantly. Does Scotty just doesn't understand that we don't really... When all is said and done, we don't really care. We don't really care because there's a Britney Spears custody battle to talk about. That really is the, uh, that's the upshot of the whole thing. Let me know, A, if you're not, if you can't raise him, let me make sure that you're calling the right number because he actually sent me uh, the number at which to reach him. So if he's not there, Scotty, what we'll do is we'll come back and we'll take him after Tim. So I'm going to give him, I'm going to give you just a couple seconds here. And if it looks like he's not at that number, we'll break. We'll come back, we'll talk to Tim, and then we'll, um, and then we'll get Carlin right after that. Should I be breaking? Oh, is that him? All right. Ladies and gentlemen, let's now welcome to the Rick Emerson radio program with a heart full of hate and a head full of soft, tasty, nougaty material, Peter Carlin. Hello, sir. Hey, man. How are you? Sorry about that. So we were supposed to talk to you Monday. Yeah. And then uh, because we are sort of sworn by law to talk about the tedious, the trite, and the titillating, we ended up talking about Britney Spears. Uh, And then yesterday, I think you just completely blanked out and forgot to call us. Yeah. So here we are today. How are you, sir? How are things? How's life? Oh, I'm I'm well, thank you. Are you working at home today? Was there some sort of traffic problem? That was yesterday, dude. Yeah, but I mean, was it, I don't know, because you live in some sort of lofty suburban area, don't you? Oh, eat me. I live on in Laurelhurst. <laughs> <laughs> you live in Laurelhurst? Really? Yeah. Oh, see, I didn't know. We're neighbors. How was I to, we should all get together and have some sort of a barbecue. Sure. How was I to know? All right, well, were the, what was the deal with the traffic? What was your, what was the traffic boggle? Yesterday? Yeah. Oh, I think like a garbage truck turned over on the Morrison Bridge or something. That but is it was fantastic. It was in, it was because the Burnside Bridge is closed, and um, and then there was this uh, essentially uh, traffic was down to one crawling lane on the Morrison Bridge. All the other bridges were just completely oversubscribed, as we say. Just so you know, I do believe that next week is yeah. the week that they're going to be doing that weird drill uh, with Homeland Security, where they simulate a dirty bomb attack, and I do believe the Morrison Bridge is the one that's going to be closed. Oh no! That is just so you know. So you're aware. So you're aware of it, like ahead of time. Next, uh, I'm not sure what the day is. I think it might be Wednesday. But next week, Homeland Security is doing that weird drill where they simulate a dirty bomb attack. And somebody, a city employee, told me that it's the Morrison Bridge they're going to have closed, like all day. So See, that is so cool. I love the idea that we're just gradually just squeezing all traffic out of out of downtown. Yeah. Eventually, everybody will have to go over the Selwood Bridge, and then it's just like a matter of hours until that thing just just collapses like a flan and a cup. Well, at least all the Homeland Security guys will be there. They can just truck on down there and pick up the wreckage. <laughs> As the Selwood Bridge collapses into cinders and rubble, they can, they'll be right there to come, uh, to come uh, give us the last right to administer splinting. Yeah. Fantastic. Hey, so because I'm an idiot, I watched that caveman show last night. Oh, yeah. Boy, that was. did you watch it? Well, you know, um, uh, yeah, I saw it, and I also had seen the original, much funnier version of the pilot that, uh, that ABC had distributed last spring. Now, wait a minute. Now, so you're saying that the original pilot, which was scrapped and retooled, as they say, was actually better than the one last night? Tons better. How is that possible? Because it was uh, much more satirical and much more, uh, it was a very prickly kind of uh, social satire about racism. Now, see, AB, have, we've been talking about this for the last day or so, that it's weird that you see interviews with the actors who play the cavemen and... They will say, well, look, it's our way to sort of do a commentary on race relations and whatever in America. Mm-hmm. And then 
ABC had that whole press conference last month where they this is absolutely not a race relations television, but they just, I guess they had to. They felt like they had to deny it. Well, that's because I know, but it's just like, they're just being cowardly and stupid. Right, because otherwise, they, I mean, I, I guess they do not want to sort of reflexively or passively admit that they are depicting insert race here as a group of cavemen. Well, but you see, the thing is, is that that is the most sort of uh, um, dark interpretation. I mean, to me, it was more like, even if it were, I mean, I, I think um, the complaints I heard was that the, you know, the sort of the ridicule heaped on the cavemen was extremely similar to the sorts of dumb, you know, stereotypes people have or had about African-American people. But, you know, I mean, I didn't see it as that specific. Now, obviously, I'm a white guy, so maybe my antenna isn't as, you know, isn't as sharply tuned as as it ought to be in this. But I mean, I'm as conscious of you know racism, and I grew up in the tail end of the civil rights movement and all that stuff. And so, you know, obviously, I think I mean I'm fairly attuned to that sort of thing. And I thought it was mostly just a you know kind of a pretty in places a pretty sharp satire of exactly the sort of stupidity that goes into racism. But then some people you know needing something to bitch and moan and complain about saw the show and said, well, just the fact that you're even airing out these these ideas means that you're, you know, subscribing to them. Oh, yeah, no, I thought it was extremely gutless of ABC to get to, to hold some clearly disingenuous press conference and deny what was obvious. Even in last night's retooled uh, yeah. pilot, it was obvious that they were drawing several, uh, you know, they were making several comparisons and a lot of sort of uh, metaphors uh, for race relations in America. That being said... The observation that I made to my wife last night, which I stick by today, is that the thing about it is, if you were watching the show last night, I actually did find myself sort of smiling and chuckling from time to time. However, several times throughout the program, I sort of, I would shut my eyes and just listen to the show. Mm. And if you listened to the show, it's completely uninteresting and unfunny. It's just yeah, very totally bland. generic, just totally. kind of... Dude, you know, young dudes in the city comedy, and they're, you know, it's all about breasts. And it is only funny if you open your eyes and see that the guy playing racquetball is a caveman. Yeah, I mean, that's it. That's the extent of the comedy. The guy, the, the star on that show is this guy. I forget what his last name is. It's Nick something or other. And I think he plays. I think his character's named Nick too. He's actually super acerbic and funny, and even in his human form, as during the interviews in uh, last summer in L.A., he was just as you know, he had that same kind of very, you know, dry sort of droll way about him, and he was super entertaining. Even though the entire audience was obviously, lo you know, because of my fellow critics, came loaded to, you know, tear the tear, tear these people's eyes out. So, what is the uh, what is your take on how long this is going to last? Because I my speculation was three episodes, and then it's gone. Um, you may not be far off the mark. Um, I could see. I mean, obviously, I think the network's been kind of running away from the show for the last three or four months, and, and I don't see them turning tail and coming back. Now, I mean, because the, the fascinating thing is, and I guess Geico signed over the, the, the rights or the image rights or something to this, so it's not... I don't exactly know how the ins and outs of that works, but you got to figure the ultimate beneficiary of all of this is Geico, because even if their name isn't on it, everybody sees the caveman thing, and then they they think about Geico for 22 minutes. Yeah, until they begin to think that, I hate this show. I'm going to go to that <laughs> duck, to, you know... The, I'm gonna get I'm gonna get my insurance from the duck. Right. So well anyway, so I guess that's the thing. And then I watched about nine minutes 
of that carpooling or carpoolers show. Yeah, that's even worse. Oh, man. It was like being kicked in the scrotum with steel-toed boots. I mean, it just over... It was so relentlessly... It was like they sat down and decided to make a show aggressively unfunny. Yeah. I mean, just did like they like that. Like, it was sort of like they gathered together all of their best writers and they said, Men, I've got a challenging job for you today. Yeah. Today, we must pool all of our talent and we must create the most uninteresting, laughless show ever to air. This is the task to which you are now appointed. I mean, it, it was like they'd gone through with a slide rule and a schematic and removed all the comedy, like one scene at a time. Mm -hmm. So, at which I do not know right now. If there's anything on network television that I really make an appointment to watch that's funny, except for The Office. I'll give you that The Office is really funny. 30 Rock. Uh, is 30 Rock. You know, I saw an interview in the New York Times with Tina Fey the other day, and, you know, she was talking about how she just, you can tell that she still expects to be canceled at any second. Well. Uh, not unlike uh, this very fine program. She At any moment, she just expects them to come and yank it off the air. Well, yeah. But, I mean, I think also, I mean, and that could happen, even though the new guy, uh, Ben Silverman, who's the head of NBC Entertainment now, is saying that he's going to be super patient with the show. But it was definitely a creation of his predecessor and, you know, a pet project of Kevin Riley's. And, uh, you know, so Silverman may very well just say, that's it, get out of here. But I've seen the first episode of the new season already, and it's actually very, very funny. Yeah, I actually feel, I don't say I feel bad, but I do feel like that I have missed something now by not watching that. So I do, I think I'm going to go back and start watching 30 Rock yeah, from the it. beginning. It's drop dead funny in many, many places, laugh out loud type stuff. And and for my money, it's way funnier than both uh, The Office, The American Office, and, uh, and uh, My Name is Earl. Um, Which is a show that, like, for all that it's, kind of, for my mind, it's sort of like, you know, fairly entertaining. But uh, you know, it's it's better than the vast majority of sitcoms on TV. It still doesn't quite transcend. You know, I mean, I feel like it's 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 essentially in the same place it was. The my day name it is premiered. Earl. Yeah. My name is Earl. Is uh, and I don't mean this as a knock, but I mean my name is Earl. Is it is competently done, unchallenging product. Yeah. I mean yeah, that's yeah, the yeah. thing is it's it's and you know and and it's there's nothing bad about it it's not done poorly yeah it just its aspirations are simply to entertain you for 22 minutes and then and then for you to move on well on the plus side it comes at you you know sort of it it sort of depicts a uh, subculture that doesn't get depicted a lot on TV you know which are these kind of you know low rent type white of, trash yeah if you yeah. want to call them that well and I will say that the thing about the white trash depiction on my name is Earl is they straddle a very fine line and they do it successfully where they they do they they do play up some of the more egregious aspects of American white trash culture for mm -hmm. laughs yet at the same time the show doesn't the show does seem to have an affection for the characters. It does, which is sort of cool. But the one character I was watching on the, the premiere, which is like an hour long, I think. I've been watching it in fits and starts, and I think I'm most of the way through it now. Earl's in jail now. Uh, but um, but the Crab Man character. Oh, yeah. Hello, Crab Man. Yeah, but I don't quite get He doesn't seem to really exist as a person. He's just like a guy with wild hair. Yeah. So there is something gutsy about the fact that... Uh, that it's actually, I'm not sure, is this the first interracial couple on a sitcom? Well, certainly not on a sitcom. Um, uh, well, name me another. There was that interracial couple that lived across the hall from George Jefferson. 
Okay, besides them. Okay, so now, so other than them. Um, I don't know, you know, because I don't watch a lot of sitcoms, to be frank, so um, I don't really know the answer to that. I, I, I will say that he is sort of a cipher, and also I do believe he's the... Um, He's the public face of Office Max. That's true. And so I was driving, driving I down, know. He's downtown. I know. On the back of a day, truck. And he's on the back of a truck. And I actually looked up, and I just reflexively I looked up, and I went, "Hey, crab man!" To, yeah. the, to the guy on the back of the Office Max truck. Um, the great thing about my name is Earl, though, is how they are unafraid to make. Uh, was it her name, Joyce? Um, Joy. Joy. Just they are unafraid just to make her a terrible person. You know, they just go all out and they just make her an awful woman. Yeah. So anyway, I d I dig that show. Um. You wrote a great column, actually, yesterday. Was it yesterday or Monday about how television talks to men as though their minds are just made of mush? I think it was. I think it was Monday. And it really is. Uh, it really is absolutely true. And that carpooling show is another one of those. Yeah. Uh, where they just, you know, they just assume that every guy who watches has an IQ that you could not even. I mean, it's not even at room temperature. So. Uh. Hey, while we got you here, um, two things I want to ask you about real quickly. Uh, neither of them TV related. One. Have you heard uh, the new Springsteen album, and if so, what's your take on it? Yeah, I have. I think it's fantastic, actually. It seems real slick to me. I have some Springsteen friends, and I'm not a huge Springsteen fan. I'm kind of a casual Springsteen fan. Uh, I have some friends who are real divided on it because they, they, uh, some of them seem to think it's real, a little too glossy. Eh, nah, I disagree. Because, I mean, the thing is, is that on the surface, I mean, the melodies and the production, um, it's probably the most produced record he's done since, like, uh, Born to Run in terms of layering some sounds on there and, and you know, and kind of going for that more sort of um, Orbison-like tone in the, his voice, which he still has. Um, but on the other hand, if you listen to the songs themselves, and, and a lot of them are, are melodic and bouncy and have that kind of AM radio sound to that, right. but then you start listening to the words and the stories that he's telling and you realize, hey, this is actually a very dark and screwed up record, you know, where he is, you know, I mean, it's not a, it's not a frothy record. It sounds really cool. Um, and it's and it's it's very accessible, which is which I think is kind of cool. It is deceptively uh, de poppy. Yes, it's deceptively poppy. But then you look just beneath the surface, and you see that things are are awfully, you know, um, messed up in this world that he's painting. On the on the uh, on this same sort of subject, an ancillary question, which is, did you see the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame nominations? Yeah. Did you see? Did what is your take? I mean. Uh, for the longest time, I have just sort of figured that a lot of the guys who nominate for the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, there are a lot of Dave Marsh-type guys who, I don't want to say that it comes out of like a weird white liberal guilt, but it does seem like there is this, it does seem like there is this reflexive push to nominate a lot of acts that really seem to have neither rock nor roll, but they do it because out of some compulsive uh, need to have a surface diversity, which is where you get, which is where you get like, Niall Rogers and Sheik being nominated for the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Yeah, but they're super influential, and Niall Rogers was like a big deal in producing all kinds of bands and artists through the 80s. I mean, now, everybody from into the rock genre? David Bowie? Because I don't understand. Yeah, but there's a difference between producing him as a, uh, nominating him as a producer and nominating Sheik, you know, of Lift Yeah, but I think Sheik, I think a lot of their imprint is all over um, hip-hop to this day. A lot of those bass lines and stuff, I mean, I just think in terms of R&B and, you know, and popular urban music, as we like to say, mm -hmm. um, it's, um, you know, it, it's it's not a, 
it's not a small contribution. I will say that as, and I'm not much of a Rush fan, but it is almost, it is almost kind of perversely great to see Rush get passed over every year, just to see my Rush-loving friends just go apoplectic about it. Yeah, well, There's, this is one vein in their foreheads you can always see like swell up about this time every year as they see Rush get, you know, passed over once again for Donna Summer. You know, uh, just one thing parenthetically, I'm going to be in New York next week, and I'm going to have coffee with Dave Marsh. Do you want me to tell him you said hello? Please do. Okay. And please, and please tell him to tone down the. Uh, the gushing over Sam and Dave. Just tell him to tell him to tell him I said to knock it off. Yeah, yeah. Um, and are you really having a? Are you really meeting with Dave Marsh? Yeah. Good for you, sir. Why, if I can ask? Oh, I met him on. I did. I was on his uh, serious show last year when the uh, Catch a Wave came out. And uh, we sort of kept in touch. Now I do, I do like Dave. I own many, many books by Dave Marsh, but yeah. I will say he's just sort of, he's just sort of a curmudgeon about a lot of things. Um, it, like he, uh, never mind. Don't, don't even get me started on it. Um, he did write an entire book though about Louis Louis, which you have got to admire. Which is a great book. A two hundred and fifty-page book about Louis, which I own, which is a fantastic piece of writing. Yeah. Um, let's see. And finally, uh, well, this email sums it all up. Hey, Rick, Ross nailed an Asian girl on Friends. I don't know that. I don't know. That, I don't know that nailing really. Um, I don't know that nailing really equals relationship. But um, and somebody has pointed out Lucy and Ricky. Well, okay, fine. <laughs> fine. So they're the ninth no, generation. No, I still. I don't. I'm going to be like the Bush administration. I'm. I'm not going to acknowledge those. <laughs> I'm going to say that. Uh, that I'm still right. Excellent. Fantastic. All right. All right, my friend, Peter Cardin, uh, read him in print in the Oregonian or online at OregonLive.com. Let me just say this. Yes. When there is a first interracial couple on a sitcom, yes. they will be greeted as heroes All right. and liberators. Thank you, my friend. And they'll have daisies thrown at them. There you go. All right. Say hi to Dave Marsh for me. Will do. All right. There you go. Peter Cardin, ladies and gentlemen, we're so behind. We're going to break here. Tim Riley, have ye news for us? Yes, yes. Okay. Can't ask for more than that. Back after this, it's the Rick Emerson Radio Program. And now, from the Ministry of Truth, this is Tim Riley. Bucky the Deer is back in the news as one of the deers taken from that Malala family. Well, this is the deer that's going to be sent back into the wild, but before they do that, the state's going to give Bucky a vasectomy. Somebody actually made that decision sitting at a desk. Bucky must be giving a vasectomy. It sounds like a very special children's program of some kind. It does, doesn't it? Today, Bucky gets a vasectomy. That's right after Bonzo goes to college. Well, as soon as Bucky finishes with his surgery and heals up, he'll be released to Western Oregon's Bull Run Watershed. It's described as prime black-tailed deer habitat. But he'll enjoy none of the amenities due to his vasectomy. Uh, meanwhile, a Cambridge, Massachusetts man has been arrested and charged with stealing 123 parking meters from city streets. Over the past year, the city of Cambridge has suffered losses of approximately $100,000 due to the theft of parking meters. The meters were damaged and the internal coin cylinders were missing in most of them. They were cut off at the head. Then that Colorado man who taunted police has pled guilty to felony, alluding in connection with the case that he taunted the authorities. Alexander Craig entered the plea in district court saying he was having a mental breakdown at the time. <laughs> Police received ten cell phone calls in the three-hour period in March when Craig made statements like, I'm hammered, come and get me. So 20 officers tried for two hours to capture him. They eventually found him at a grocery store, and yes, they tasered him. Fantastic. He's been free on $1,000 bond. Rod Stewart's son is scheduled for arraignment in Los Angeles today on charges he attacked a couple with a brick. The alleged incident took place in West Hollywood 
last spring. Sean Roderick Stewart is charged with assault with a deadly weapon, throwing a substance at a vehicle, and vandalism. And nothing new on the Britney case. No, but I've got this. Rick, have you seen the photo of Anna Nicole Smith of her propped up in bed, dead, covered in her own vomit? No, but we would. Sarah? I have. Why did you not mention this to Because me? it's it's Who wrong. are you? I don't even know who you are anymore, Sarah. All right, do you want to see it? I have it right here. I don't know. Yes, please. Listen, he says this, though. He says, obviously, don't click the link if vomit bothers you, or seeing a dead person bothers you, or seeing a dead person covered in vomit bothers you. So uh, he, you tell me, Sarah. Do I want to see this? Probably. He types, I cannot unsee this. It doesn't look like she's dead, though. I mean, I have a certain morbid curiosity about such things. Okay, let's look at. But I'm a hard-nosed newsman. Anna Nicole Smith, dead, covered in vomit. All right, hang on. It's All right. Next page. All right. Hold on. Let me uh, come over here. You're Wait. A di- you're a dick. The man. The heat. The fuzz. Flatfoot. Johnny Law. I'm scrolling through all of the live people. I've got yeah. it over here on my screen. I think. Here it is. Oh wait. Here we go. Okay. Ready? Oh, pixelated. Oh no, it's there. Oh. Okay. Oh, she looks dead. Yeah. Yeah, yeah Brit. Uh, yeah, Brittany. A little Freudian <laughs> slip there. And Coming the, soon. Yeah, Anna Nicole dead long time. She, that's uh. Yeah, she's hella dead. Yeah. Let me look. I've got a larger picture of it over Ew, here. Really? Well, that's a shame. Here, come look at the larger one, Tim. Oh, okay. I'll be right there. Oh yeah, she's completely dead. Yeah, come check this out, Sarah. Come look oh, at the bigger version of this. I know. Oh, she looks very unhappy. She. <laughs> I'm so unhappy. I'm dead. <laughs> I'm freaking dead. Yeah, that's. Oh. Yeah, that's um. No, that's kind of gross. That's really... <laughs> that, oh, this is that, now that I think about it. <laughs> now that Tim ponders looking at a dead woman covered in her own vomit, that's kind of gross. All right, Tim well, Riley, ladies Tim. and gentlemen, greatest newsman in all of the world, back at four, five, six, and seven. I must go back to the news. I must go back to the news. <laughs> you have to wash this out of your brain. He'll be back at four, five, six, and seven, top of the hour, all the way through life. I'm not putting that on my blog. You can put it on yours. I honestly don't know. I think you could find it very easily. I don't think we need to put it out there for the people. But who, Are you still looking at it? Well, I'm just wondering who took this photograph. Well, I guess maybe the coroner. Coroner? Oh, probably. Uh, but then how would it leak unless the coroner decided people needed to see this, which clearly we do? Huh. Yeah, you know that a picture like like, like that of Britney is just it's it's just days away. You know it's true. All right. Um. Yeah. Well, let's see here. Scotty, how can I see the picture of Anna Nicole? Scotty, come in and look at it. Here, come come in here. You can come look at it in the in the studio. I can't believe how big he posted it. No, come on. Yeah, Scotty, come on down the hall and I'll show you the Anna Nicole picture. Um, no, that's a huge, that's a huge one. Hey, by the way, while we're talking, don't forget, AM 970 will be at Showcase Music and Sound, 3401 Southeast Northern Boulevard, today from 5 to 7. Your chance to see, play, and possibly win the Rock Band game more than a month before its release comes out uh, November 20th. We'll be giving away a copy of Rock Band uh, more than a month and a half before you can buy it. Plus, uh, Showcase Music and Sound's 30th anniversary sale is happening. Everything on sale, instruments, recording, PA systems, keyboards, DJ systems, everything. So don't forget, tonight, AM 970, from 5 to 7, we'll be at Showcase Music and Sound, 3400 Southeast Hawthorne, uh, letting you see, play, and possibly win the new rock band game. Hello, Scotty. Is this some kind of trick, Rick Emerson? Are you drunk? To get me to come to the studio. You suddenly sound drunk again. Don't know what it is. It's Do you store alcohol in a pouch inside your neck or in a hump or something? <laughs> Anything to get through the day. And then... <laughs> no, uh... no, we love you, Scotty. Okay. So, um, let me rephrase it. We're here just is, we... is this a trick we're to get me to come to, to the studio you. just to see this picture? But Yes. No, it's not. It... Okay, you ready? 
Yes. Okay, here's the photograph of Anna Nicole Smith dead, covered in vomit. Are you ready? No, stay on mic, please. Okay, I'm okay, ready. Okay, and you sure? No, but yes. That can't be real. It is. What, how could it not, how could that not be how real? Could, hold on. Why would it not be real? She is dead. And she no. did die choking right. on her own she vomit. She did choke on vomit. That's her. So how could it not be real? I mean, she definitely looks dead, and that is definite Do you think vomit. She, this is just how she looked lounging that, around the house. Hey, that might not be her vomit. It might be Photoshop vomit. That no, that's no, that's real. Vomit. I'm number two, again too. No. how do we know this isn't a picture of her from when she was still alive, vomiting and doing that one she many thousand proper. times? Well, she that's looks, the hair that she had when she died, because she had those weird pink streaks in it. Yeah, that looks. She looks pretty dead. I mean, just, she looks slack-faced, wouldn't you say? That's a hard night of something. Of <laughs> dying. I don't know. I'm exhausted. I spent all day dying. Squid just wrote me the worst thing about that picture. Ever. Really? That Can you see that phrase? A bib? I don't understand. A boob bib? What does that mean? Like her breasts are as functioning as the bib? Functioning badly on my yeah. I don't know. I'm exhausted. I spent all morning choking on my own vomit. Well, see, here's dying. the thing. This could be her picture. However, however, maybe it's one of many pictures of, of her drunken vomiting. Covered in vomit. Night. Maybe it's sort of like a kooky, like when you fall asleep first at a slumber party and they draw a mustache on your face. We're going to wrap Scotty and duct tape and mustache him and then take a photo. Yeah, instead of putting uh, shaving cream in the palm, it's no, I, vomit uh, on the and chest. And then they tickle your face and you put shaving cream right on your face. <laughs> No, I think this is, um, I mean, she doesn't look pale, I'll give you that, but she does look fake tanned. She looks does. like she's about ready to say, oh, it's a bad night. I don't think she's about ready to say anything, Scotty. I think she's about to say, like, that. I mean, that's it. I, uh, yeah, so there you Wait, go. Can you say that again? Okay. Uh, this, by the way, in case you want to know where this is, um, it's at, uh, it's it's at the What Would Tyler Durden Do site. So it's www.tdd.com. What Would Tyler Durden Do.com. www.tdd.com. Warning, it's hideous and unsee- ununseeable. All right, back after this, it's the Rick Emerson Radio Program. We'll wrap it up next. Don't go anywhere. How long until the uh, what's-it starts here? About a minute. All right. I see Storm in the hallway. Really? I really do. How exciting. Uh, we're going to Storm in. We, it, it, she was supposed to be in, I think, earlier this week, and then it was going to be today, but then we were busy with uh, with the Anna Nicole Smith and the vomit and the Peter Carlin. So I think we're going to try to see Cabaret sometime in the next week, and then we'll have her on right after that so we can talk about it knowledgeably. Because otherwise I'll just be babbling. I don't know what the hell I'm doing. Uh, let's see. People are asking. Okay, just are you going to put the link up on your? Uh... I already put it up. Right. I'm not putting the picture up. I put the link. <laughs> like, look how you buckle. I I'm know. Never posting the link to the Anna Nicole. I didn't book. say link. I said picture because the picture is really disturbing. But the people need to see it if they want to. Uh, Who am the, I to deny them? Who are we to judge what the people choose to look at? Uh, let's see here. Um, Rick, have you seen this picture of Charlotte Church? 
Uh, no, and I almost don't want to look at it because here's yeah, the she's thing. ruined. <laughs> See, why? Is it? That's it. I mean, that's the bottom line. I could try to phrase it differently, but that's what it is. Uh, Chris Morris and I uh, both, you know, we bonded over our love of Charlotte Church, uh, pre-marriage, pre-child, pre-fat, pre—you know, everything. And I mean, she was not a stick figure to begin with. I mean, we both loved her because she, she was, was pleasantly curvy. She was a girl with a little more to her, uh, pleasingly plump, and I mean that sincerely. Now she's just horrid. Yeah. You push something out of that thing and it's just ruined forever. Uh, all right. What am I doing? Oh, we're ending. Hi. Uh, we want to thank CNN Radio correspondent Lisa Goddard, who gets married this weekend. We'll talk to her again on Monday when she becomes Lisa Sporbert. Or, no, whatever. The name. Uh, we want to thank uh, Ed McCarthy and Jim Roop as well, plus Scotty J and Peter Carlin for coming on and sharing their thoughts about whatever. Uh, Rick Emerson Show produced today and every day by the lovely and talented Sarah X. Dillon for AM 970 Solid State Radio in the newsroom. Tim Riley, the PA is Scotty J, and of course, skatekeepers Dave Zinn. Like us next. Don't let the bastards grind it down. Watch out for snakes. We'll see you all tomorrow at 11. Bye now. You're a cop, a flatfoot, a bull, a dick, John Law. You're the fuzz, the heat, your poison, your trouble, your bad news.